1: G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au
2: T's and C's apply in South Wales. Authorisation number TP slash 01005.
0: Summer days on SENZ. It's Kiwi for sport.
1: on a Monday morning. Good morning and welcome to Summer Days on SENZ with Stephen McIver. Wherever you are around this wonderful Aotearoa New Zealand, I trust you're in your happy place and making the most of a break, however long or short it is. Now, normally at this time of the year, we'd be talking the ASB Classic, but for the last two years, that's been scuppered. And I've got to say, January for me just doesn't feel quite right without it. But... There is no lack of tennis available. Currently in Sydney, the $15 million ATP Cup is being played out between 24 countries. And teams are vying for glory ahead of the Australian Open, which begins on the 17th of Jan at Melbourne Park. SEN's Brett Phillips will run his eye over a play so far and probably be pumped up with the Australian win over the Italians yesterday. That comes your way around 10.30 this morning. After 11, we talk week 17 of the NFL with playoff spots on the line. It's a big day for a number of teams. After midday, nice little surprise for Wanaka freeskier Ben Harrington, finishing seventh in the half-pipe World Cup in Calgary, potentially keeping his chances of making Beijing alive. When you think about it, tomorrow, it's a month to the start of the Beijing Winter Olympics. At 12.30, we're going to replay our Mark Hunt interview about his movie, uh, The Fight of His Life, on the back of news that he has to pay the UFC legal fees on his case against them. Wow, something like 300,000 American. Can't see him doing that somehow. The Somerset National Bowls champs is on in Christchurch the guru, the guru of bowls. Kevin Hicklin will update on progress across the divisions. But right now, we're going to start talking about the Bay Oval Test Here uh, in New Zealand because Sri Lanka had a pretty good day yesterday. In fact, they had their best. uh, But what did I say, Sri Lanka? Yeah, okay, good one, Stephen. Uh, There you go. There's the first hiccup. Uh, Bangladesh had their best day ever uh, and kept New Zealand to its lowest ever total. Uh, They're 153 runs behind. But Deepak Patel joins us now. Deepak, what did you make of that wicket? Yeah, it's. uh, She's
3: a good
4: one, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, I think it makes a change. I suppose, uh, yeah, for, from certainly from, from New Zealand's perspective over the last probably decade, uh, it's fair to say that uh, our pitches have been very seamer-friendly and then suddenly we've got this in front of us and, uh, yeah, we probably haven't handled it as well as what we've done in the past. So it's a great challenge uh, for, for Norrie, the, the seamers, but the lone spinner.
1: Yeah, well, the, the, and, of course, you know, the... the Began spin spinner does the job, and we're all going, well, hang on a minute. The obvious elephant in the room prior to this was we don't need a jazz. Now, let's be blunt. I talked to Gavin Larson on Friday, and he felt that this wicket wouldn't turn, but he did say it would dry it, and I thought, well, hang on a minute. You tell me, dear back, if it's going to dry by the you know the third day short, it's going to take spin. Yeah,
4: well, I'm very surprised with Gavin's uh, comments, if that, if that was the case. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, it's pretty obvious certainly had a, a green tinge to it, but not nothing like what we've had in the past. Uh, and certainly this is drying out. Now, we've generally speaking, the general rule of thumb is that um, yeah, New Zealand pitches don't really spin drastically. Yeah. I don't think this one's going to do that, but I think it is going to assist more the spinners than it is going to be the pace bowler. So um, I'm very surprised that uh, yeah, hence that a AJS wasn't even in the squad uh, to start with. I don't think. Uh, I, I could be wrong, but certainly from my understanding, that he wasn't even in the squad. No, you're, you're right, uh, mate. That option, sh- yeah, the, the option should have been there just in case that you know
5: uh, conditions can change. <laughs> it is, so do, is doing what it's doing that's now? Very <laughs> uh,
1: but I suppose the concerning thing though for Gary Sid was how cheaply his uh, tail went right, uh, and, and not handling the spin.
4: Yeah, no, look, you know, these guys are useful. Uh, any spinners that come from the Asian conditions—that's they, that's what they're, they're bought up on, uh, and they'll exploit anything that's uh, that, that, that's that's in front of them that's going to help them. So, look, yeah, yeah, uh, I just hope that uh, we can a uh, bowl them out with a slight lead, or, or, or certainly a substantial lead. If we can, that that would be very handy because uh, yeah, you don't want to be batting last against these guys on. on on a wicket that's going to assist them, I don't think it's going to be an Asian-type spinning wicket. But certainly, if, if there's any assistance, um, yeah, it's going to favour them more than us.
1: What did you like about the the you know first innings at the moment for Bangladesh one seventy five for two? Did what did anything stand out for you? Their resilience.
4: Well, look, yeah, definitely. I think you just summed it up. It's just that the patience and the resilience they showed again pace bowling, and uh, I think there was a comment made on TV by Craig McMillan, that the, their batting coach, uh, yeah, he, he's got this challenge that, that they just don't face the, the, the quickies, the, the bouncing wickets, and, uh, and certainly, uh, you know, they, they were willing to get behind it, they were willing to take a few blows on the body, whereas previously uh, they have not shown that sort of determination and, and a bit of grittiness to get behind and, and back long periods of time, and the young fella who's on sixty or seventy not out, he just he, he just, yeah, he just uh, displayed a, a great amount of guts and, and, and patience, and uh, that's going to be the key to them. if they if they get a lead, uh, it's going to be tough work for us to, to be honest with you.
1: So if you're coaching the Black Caps, what's your approach today? You steam in and try and skittle them, or I mean, what, what is that the obvious answer? Not that you're getting much out of it.
4: Well, there's only one player who can do that. And it's Wagner, and he does it very, very effectively. If that's that's the approach they're going to take, uh, I just thought we our uh, pace bowlers, particularly our two spearheads, didn't quite have that certain sort of uh,
5: attitude. You know, they didn't really
4: run in and then try and get as much as they could out of the wicket. And uh, the ball did swing a little bit, but they negated that very well. They left very well. Um, but I think that the one thing that stands out with their batsmen is the, the patience they, they they displayed, and and I think that uh, yeah we, we've got to create chances. We can't just just wait and sit back and make that hope that they uh, they'll make the mistakes. Uh, so yeah, no, the onus is on our bowlers. The morning session, the first morning before drinks, uh, the first session this morning is going to be critical. Uh, if we can pick up a couple of cheap wickets, and then. Uh, and work into the sort of middle to lower order. Uh, and hopefully, uh, you know, we've done it in the past. There's nothing to suggest that we can't do it. It's just that, uh, yeah, we've got conditions that uh, our bowlers haven't had to face uh, probably in the last 10, 10 to 12 years. So it's a huge challenge this morning.
1: And Deepak, I suppose this is a, another good example to watch of the the growth that this Black Caps team has is doing, should I say, uh, they're they're maturing as a as a as a very strong test nation. Because when I spoke to Gavin on Friday, he talked about the evolution of the team. So, good teams will always find a way.
4: Yeah, that's what makes them the world champions. Uh, the fact is that they've always found ways uh, of getting out getting out of tight situations, uh, and and it won't be any different. So. Look, I don't think they should be too concerned about it today. Um, you know, By the end of the day, we'll have a very good indication as to where we stand. And, uh, let's, let's hope it's, it's in our advantage that we've actually picked up uh, cheap wickets this morning, bowl them out with a slight lead, uh, or get very close to, to, to get bowling them out to our total. And then, uh, yeah, let, let, let's, let's hit them a target of two, 250, 280, and yeah, uh, that, that, that'll be the key uh, Whether we, we can do that this morning
1: Not wishing to point the finger But if you were, Gary said Would you be having a word with the groundsman About, about the wicket And how it's sort of opened up
4: uh, I don't know that happens in this country, does it? The, 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 the doctoring wickets.
1: Oh, I'm not either. saying about doctoring wickets. No, I'm not suggesting that. Cheapest, <laughs> creepers, Deepak. Settle down. No, no, no. I was just saying, <laughs> would he be having a conversation about, well, this isn't exactly what we were wanting?
4: Oh, look, I think it's plain and clear. Uh, once you've selected your squad, uh, I'm sure the messages that the Grands would have picked out. Say well, you know, we've got to have that home home advantage. So yeah, I'm sure that Gary and and, and the rest of the, the Black Cap squad would be disappointed uh, with the wicket. But you know, at the end of the day, that's what's been presented. That's what makes this great game. The the, the test matches. That uh, that's the challenge you face. You you've got to have. You're going to have different conditions, different pitch conditions uh, presented to you, and you've got to be. A, not only adapt to it, but have got to be flexible and, and, and make most of it. And, and uh, like I said to you previously, that, uh, it's not something that we should be concerned about. We'll, I'm sure we can get ourselves out of it. Uh, it's just going to take a little bit of hard work, and, and I'm sure that uh, Wagner will be itching to get the ball in his hand because mm. he won't die wondering, that, that is for sure.
1: Have you given yourself a little bit of time to think what this Black Caps side will look without Ross Taylor on the test arena?
4: Yes, I have, and uh, I can't say that I've thought about it that deeply. But uh, yeah, I, I, look, there's, there's nobody that's uh, uh, as a standout in first-class cricket to say, well, he's going to just walk straight into Ross's shoes. No, so that that is a concern. Uh, I, I could be t- completely wrong. Uh, I don't, I don't watch first-class cricket anymore, but. Um, you know, there's nobody there putting numbers up uh, in front of the selectors to say, "Look, yet yeah, uh, I just can't wait for Ross to pull the pin so that uh, I'm ready to go." So uh, yeah, it's going to be a huge challenge uh, to find the right placement because uh, yeah, there are going to be very, very big shoes to fill. That is for sure.
1: Why don't you watch first-class cricket anymore?
4: A, I don't have the time uh, because it would take up my golf uh, as well. Uh, and that's my priority. Uh, and to be honest with you, uh, I, I don't know whether first-class cricket is, is attractive as what it used to be because you just don't get enough test players playing. And, and, and your overseas touring teams don't play our first-class uh, teams anymore. I mean, That used to be the... The, the carrot that was always dangled in front of first class cricketers that you always wanted to play against the touring team because they were the best players in the world. Uh, they were coming to your shores and there was your opportunity to shoot, to actually test yourself against the best. So, look, there's a combination of, uh, uh, and again, I don't want to make comments whether. First-class cricket has got worse or, or it got better because I just don't watch it enough uh, to, to comment.
1: Now it's interesting though, you you mentioned that because you know we've had discussions about rugby and, and midweek games and things like that. So you're you're, you're 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 basically noticing that you know part of the cricket fabric has been lost.
5: Oh,
4: definitely. I mean, there's no question about it. I mean, you've only look every time I do drive past Eden Park and was a first-class gamer. You know, you could probably count the number of people on the ground in both hands. So, yeah, look, that used to be the, certainly during my my time. You know, you still have your fifteen hundred, two thousand people watching every day's game uh, plays cricket. So, mm. so that that certainly is missing. Uh, and you've got to ask the question. You've got to get out there and ask these people what's you know, what's not attractive for them to come and watch first class cricket. Um, but certainly, you know
1: the proliferation of the short form. One would suspect the proliferation of the big bash no and and the short, sharp yeah, game no that people are wanting, right?
4: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that sums up. Uh, you know, the, the, the sort of the, the need of the, the, the sort of present modern day supporters and spectators. That, that they, yeah, they just want that quick fix cricket. Um, and, and, and T20 certainly is that, that that's the case. But uh, you know, your diehard, so who always turned up to watch a, a three or a four day game has certainly gone missing because a uh, you've got the T20 and, and, and fifty overs cricket, but also there's so much live cricket, you basically can watch any game. Any test match around the world is uh, sitting in your armchair with a beer in your hand. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, the, the, I mean, the, the, there's so many factors as to why people don't uh, watch first-class cricket. Um, but, you know, uh, for, for me uh, also, is that uh, you know, if, if a Tundalka was batting, well, of course I'm going to go and spend the day watching him bat. We uh, just don't seem to have those types of cricketers who who we playing first class, who are you to go
1: and watch. Yeah. Fair play, fair play. Um, so how has New Year's been to you? Did you actually manage to see it through? And are you going out to play some golf in the next couple of days?
4: Uh, golf would certainly be higher a priority, and I've also got two weddings. Uh, my two daughters are getting married in, in the next
1: Ouch. month. Ouch.
4: How's, so the, how's
1: the back pocket? put all
4: that together, and, and I've got a factor of work into it as well, so <laughs> golf might be taking it backstage at this stage.
1: Oh, well, congratulations but, uh, on the... No, no,
4: the New Year's been very good to me. Great uh, like to actually spend time with the family and friends, and, uh, and the weather's just been fantastic, so... Yeah, no. The recipe
1: has been perfect for the festive season. Well, that's for sure. Well, congratulations on uh, having two daughters that you'll give, be giving away, and I hope those festivities go uh, peachy cream. Deepak, always a pleasure talking. Thanks for your time, mate.
4: Always a pleasure, Stephen.
1: Thank you, mate. That's uh, Deepak Patel, former spinner for the Black Caps. So that's interesting, right? So, just out of that little conversation, he's Johnny. He's 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 quite happy with. The, he, he's you get the sense that he thinks that the. Blackcaps can turn it on in the first session this morning, although he is a little bit surprised at, at the wicket. But I'm fascinated by his thoughts on uh, first-class cricket.
2: Yeah, uh, he's right, because they're pushing an A program now. So when touring teams come, the New Zealand A team plays them, not uh, the first-class teams, because there's not that many cricketers in New Zealand and first-class cricket is there. You've got 15 players for six teams. What's that, 90, 90 hmm. paid contracted cricketers In New Zealand, compare that to, say, England, Australia, where you can just see brilliant, classy players who have scored 5,000, 10,000 first-class runs every weekend playing for their states. In New Zealand, we just don't have that depth, so our A program gets um, to play the touring sides, uh, and occasionally you'll promote a youngster like Ruchin Ravindra, Mm -hmm. who we've now seen step up to the black caps. So, yeah, I I can see why people don't watch first-class cricket much anymore, because that star power isn't there. Remember when players used to come over like Graham Hick, he yeah. Used to come over and play. Aravinda De Silva used to come over and play.
1: I was I was in Hamilton when Hick first debuted for North Northern Districts, and he was a rock star man. Oh, big Absolute name, huge rock hero, star. and
2: you get hundreds of people coming along to see Graham Hick play. Like you just don't have those names and those people from England coming down to play first class cricket anymore. So when you think about it, the the way
1: this New Zealand team has molded itself, if you take into account, shall we say the lack of resource in the sense of playing, it's a pretty fine effort if we're looking for a positive, right?
2: Oh, that is the amazing thing about it, that we are the best team in Test cricket in the world with that many professional players, contracted players. It's just astounding. And now people go, oh, you stole Wagner from South Africa, you stole Conway from South Africa. Well... So what's the well, way of the world the these days? The
1: Aussies got a South African in there as well, so, exactly. You know.
2: And they changed his name too. Luboshane, <laughs> Luboshkuni to Luboshane. So yeah. well, is that is that is that true,
1: really? Yeah, it was a Luboshkuni.
2: Yeah, that's how you say it in South Africa. It's a pretty common last name. And Mo- why did why did they change it? Moved to Australia because Aussies are like that. Stephen, you you've worked in rugby league for how long?
1: Papali. yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was It was really interesting. I used to when I was calling the the game in 2011. I used to get. Uh, heaps for going Papali. Uh, so Papali'i, which it is. It's Papali'i, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and the go going Papali. Papali. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a crazy thing. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's really interesting. I'm, I was intrigued, though, by his thoughts on, on first-class cricket. If you've got some thoughts on that, why don't you give me a call it? Uh, do you miss... Yeah, going and seeing some good first-class cricket. Are you one of those types that could quite enjoy sitting on an embankment and having a cold, uh, you know, orange juice and watch your favourite player? Oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. That's oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. Uh, tell me what you think about first-class cricket, and also tell me can the Black Caps look? It's not desperation, but we're going into day three, one hundred and fifty-three runs ahead. Do you think they will step on the gas today and skittle? Bangladesh, 0800 or 150811, It's 0800 150811, this is Summer Days on SENZ.
0: Summer Days on SENZ, it's Kiwi for sport. 1026,
1: I'm a happy man because there's a big TV screen to my right and the my, my team, the Dallas Cowboys have just started against the Arizona Cardinals, which is a big gold game. Uh, the Cowboys are 11 and 4 I think it was ten and four that the Arizona Cardinals. They've, they've ten and five? Ten and five? Yeah, they dropped their last four. So big old game. But I think the Cows can win this one where we're okay, we'll be playoff. We're playoff bound anyway, so we won't worry about that. Uh, just a couple of things worth talking about to you, Johnny, because we both love our footy. And that was interesting to read Stacy Jones today saying in the New Zealand Herald that he thinks Sean Johnson could be the difference in the tight games. They lost Six uh, Seven games by margin of six points or fewer, right, where, uh, yeah. including three where a field goal was the difference. And he he believes that a different Sean Johnson could be the key to getting him into the playoffs. Uh, do you
2: buy into that argument? I liked what I saw from Johnson at the Sharks. I thought he had matured into that player who wanted the big moments, who wasn't just going to rely on a bit of flashy brilliance but he was actually going to manage a game and close out a game. He was their best player, wasn't he, for a season and then got injured for a bit last year. But he, I, I thought he had changed. Like he's, he's no longer that young seven flashy well, he'd, he'd, touch he'd, he'd, footy the, player. The
1: step's not as big anymore no. and it's not
2: as quick. No. So. And, he, and he knows he's had to change his game because of it. And I think he's probably more your six now. He, he's going to be well, a guy six, who's yeah, not going to run the whole game. That's
1: still my concern, right? That is still my concern, his ability to run a game.
2: I don't think you want him to run the game, but I think you want him to be there at the end with his clutch. I think he can be a clutch player for the Warriors. I agree with Stacey Jones. What about you?
1: Uh, Well, I'm thinking that, you know, as I said to you a little while back before Christmas, Ash Taylor has come into the camp extremely fit. He can and be your flashy guy, he can, can't he? Well, well, he can run the team. Yeah. I think potentially he can run the team. Yep. And maybe they're, you know, because we don't really care about a six or seven, whatever side it is, right? It's just whatever you do. It'll be interesting. You know what I'd love to say? I'd like them to stop having one side and a left and a right side, but just play set, good old standard, you know, six or seven. Yeah, and, it works and, for uh,
2: some teams. It does, right? Um, but, for, but for the Warriors, I don't think, you, yeah, you don't want a left and right. I think you want Sean Johnson to be the guy who touches two, uh, two, twice in a set. And you want your seven to be the guy who touches the ball four or five times in a set. So I think you want Johnson to chime in occasionally. Okay, so so you're not giving him any cred for running. Second a team. receiver. Yeah, you want him at second receiver. Yeah. yeah,
1: I I I find that really interesting. Uh it's going to be an interesting, intriguing start to the season. I mean, you know, he's Certainly hoping is. that, you know, when COVID sorts itself out all over there and there are people back watching the footy and and they're going to their third year away from home and Here's hoping at some stage they can get back because you know, we've had this discussion before, and I, I, they certainly have their fan base, their member base. It's around eight to twelve, right? But those eight to twelve must be really starting to do it tough, not having had their fix of Warrior Ball at home. So, what I struggle with is that you know they will just fly in and fly out. It's almost like they're a visiting team, and mm. it, it's they've had to do. I mean, what I'm encouraged by with the Warriors is the fact that. Uh, their commercial team has kept sponsors on board, and I know they've had to work really, really hard to rejig and rethink how they do things. But the most important thing is that they've they've done that. But I don't know—it's that identity, right? You want that idea. You want that fix. You want to. We want to be talking around the water cooler on Monday morning, don't we?
2: Absolutely. I think you like we've brought this up before, Stephen, on the show. Yeah, we brought it up, like, are you falling in, out of love with the Warriors? And yeah. man, people were like, hell no, we love the Warriors. In fact they were, they were like, we love them even more now that they've been taken away from us. Uh, they, they love them even more, Stephen. Yeah, so. that, that
1: Baz Nizzy for breakfast, choices flooring poll, Warriors to make the finals second equal at 27.5%. People people certainly want the Warriors to make the finals and, well, Blake Ferguson won't be doing much because he's been arrested in Tokyo, going to play for Michael Checker's team, the NEC Green Rockets, but he's been picked up for potentially uh, allegedly composition of cocaine. You know what? There's just a lot of dumb in some people, aren't they? It's as simple as that. This is S E N Z, it's half past ten. 1032, it's Monday the 3rd of January. 2022 nationwide on scnz the app or your local frequency if you're listening in australia on the app you'll probably be listening on scn good morning to you now time to talk tennis and we're going to go chat to brett phillips thanks to yonix who on january the 15th will launch their new e-zone seventh generation tennis racket crafted for power just head to yonix.com because brett's one of our people he's one of our people and we've got the atp cup uh, on at the moment, Brett. Interesting day yesterday. You'd be uh, a little bit excited about what Alex uh, de Menor did yesterday.
3: Stephen, uh, good morning. Yeah, look, it was probably uh, Alex's uh, best performance for, for quite some time. He does have a real affinity with the uh, Ken Rosewall Arena. He won his first uh, ATP Tour title. We go back to the inaugural edition of the ATP Cup a couple of years ago. He inspired Australia, won all these group matches uh, through uh, to the uh, the semifinals. In fact, he went uh, so hard that he actually uh, hurt his abdominal and had to uh, miss the Australian Open. That's the way he plays. But, geez, energy last night. You know, Berrettini, uh, world-class player inside mm. the top ten, uh, giant of a man, you know, hits the absolute cover off the ball, particularly with that uh, forehand. And, you know, Diemenor took the ball early, directed the ball nicely. Uh, his wheels were fantastic. It's a really big year for Alex. I mean, he's been our number one, Stephen, for a little while now. But he's, he's sort of been in that pack, and there's a plenty who have overtaken him. There's another crop to come. I and mean, a lot of these guys now are standing at 6'2", 6'3", 6'4", bigger <laughs> assets. But he's got the, the heart of the lion. He can get to every ball on the tennis court if he can just beef up a couple of areas – uh, I'm sure he's going to hopefully stay around the mark. Look, before
1: we talk about Medvedev being upset yesterday, can you just give people an understanding of the ATP Cup? There's a lot of, what, $15 million mm. prize money on the line, but we know it's a, it's now a, a precursor to the open. But just give people an understanding of what it's about.
3: Yeah, look, it's interesting. It, it was brought in three years ago, uh, you know, the ATP Tennis Australia came together. Tennis Australia wanted to change the dynamic of the uh, the build-up to the summer, to the Australian Open, and I think the players certainly have been crying out. The players have got a fair saying. Tennis with the player councils on both sides, and they've always wanted some you know more team events. And I think if it wasn't for COVID, we'd probably see a WTA version uh, hmm. of this type yeah. of uh, setup. Uh, but the issue we've got at the moment is that it's too close to the Davis Cup. We've got the Labor Cup as well. I think personally there are too many Cups. The Davis Cup has been, uh, well, obliterated from what it should be. That's another story we've yeah. spent an hour on. But, yeah, you're right. Uh, the ATP Cup, look, the first year I was here, it was brilliant. Uh, not only the Aussies, but all the countries were supporting. And that's, I suppose, the multiculturalism of Australia. You'd have the Greek supporters, the Serbian supporters. It had that soccer-like... Uh, Crowd atmosphere. You know, obviously the countries qualify based on their number one player. But as we've seen with this edition, and it's still COVID COVID impacted here. You know, Djokovic hasn't rocked up. Nadal elected not to play. Dominic team wasn't right to go, which means Austria pull out. So you've got this discrepancy, which I sort of don't mind in a sense because I cover all levels of tennis. So you've got the absolute best. And then you've got some guys, and I do the court announcing here, and I'm trying to fill a cue card with a bio. <laughs> uh, the guy ranked uh, 920. who's actually got no runs on the board, so to speak. So, uh, but they, it's their biggest moment to step away and actually have some crowds actually watch them. So, yeah, obviously group stages through to the semifinals, finals next weekend. Uh, the crowds haven't been great here apart from the Australians uh, last night but we'll, uh, we'll see how it you know, sort of steps up through the week.
1: Will that uh, loss by uh, Medvedev last night to Uga Umber will that be just a, a small blip on his preparation for the Open?
3: I don't think you'd be majorly concerned. yeah, you know, the players at this stage coming off an off season, they just want to get some good matches under their belt. And I suppose like what the Hoffman Cup used to provide for those who played that format, I mean you're guaranteed X amount of matches. And that's what the players want at this time of year. So yeah. they're stepping up and playing, you know, the doubles rubber as well. I was, you know, talking to John Isner. Here yesterday on court, and uh, he said, "Well, this is this is the time of the year when you don't mind playing the extra matches because you're a little underdone. You you just want to get that feel of the tennis court again." Uh, so yeah, Medvedev played uh, a pretty good match yesterday. Hugo Humbert is a is a great player, and the French just keep providing us with amazing talent. But unfortunately, none of had the mentality maybe to win a Grand Slam for a a long, long time, but you know, I think Medvedev on a hard court, uh, depending on Djokovic's arrival or not, uh, is you know, certainly going to be right up there as the favourite. Well,
5: let's
1: let's talk about that briefly, because I was going to talk about that that a bit. What is the latest on Djokovic?
3: So the situation is that over the weekend, he'd moved his training base from Belgrade. He'd been home to Serbia for a few weeks post the Davis Cup. Hasn't had a, really any time. No off-season, really, Novak. Uh, and now has decided to go to Spain, warmer conditions, uh, to really emulate the conditions of Melbourne. Uh, He's practising with the Dunlop tennis balls, the Australian Open tennis balls. We've seen footage of that across the weekend. Mm. Uh, He had applied for a medical exemption. My understanding is that has been knocked back. There are some players that have arrived into Australia who have been granted a medical exemption. That remains private. There are basically two panels that you've got to get through, and they assess those applications blind. Uh, and um, certainly sources we're hearing today uh, are saying, Stephen, that it's going to be very, very tough for Novak to get a medical exemption um, based on what they know. Now, it's going to be the next 48 hours. I think there's another one or two charter flights that are coming to Australia at the end of this week. He'd need to be on one of those to get to Melbourne with a week's prep. Um, So we know the rules. He's either going to be cleared with a medical exemption, which most people think he won't get, or he's got to be double-vaxxed. We assume he's not, but we actually don't know because he won't tell us.
1: What's 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 your read on this? I mean, what what's your opinion on this 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 malarkey that uh, jo- jo- Djokovic has gone on about?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's it just dominated. Uh, I feel like I've been talking about it for months All and right. months, and I, I've gone with it. I've gone with a consistent line that I'd I'd be staggered if he wasn't here, because there is you, you don't give up the opportunities in tennis to play a Grand Slam no. unless you're injured. And he's far from that. He's got an opportunity to pass uh, Federer and Nadal. He loves the Australian Open. He's dominated the Australian Open going for a 10th Grand Slam. You'd rather get that under your belt. Uh, and, and not playing the ATP Cup, I don't think Major League disadvantages him in terms of getting some matches, because he played deep into the year, as I mentioned, with the Davis Cup. So he's pretty well conditioned. Look, everyone's entitled to their privacy. I mean, we've all learned a lot through this whole COVID uh, episode, but the reality is, um, he's got to abide by the rules of the country he's uh, he's going in. So you have to you have to reveal some information, um, and if he's not forthcoming on that, he just simply won't get in. And whether that pre- whether that presents an issue for him g- going forward around the world as um, you know rules tighten up even more, but we're certainly not past all this, as we know.
1: Brett, were you surprised, or just uh, did you know that Nadal was going to turn up in Melbourne?
3: Yeah, I was hedging my bets uh, last week. I mean. You know, Rafa's had a, a tough last six months dealing with that foot injury. Uh, he needs to get some conditioning under his belt. He's been training. Then he went to Abu Dhabi, gets COVID, he goes home. Um, there was a you know just the thought in me that gee, if, you know, Australia hasn't always been kind to Nadal. Uh, he's only won at once here. He's uh, never totally come in um, always cherry ripe at this time of year. He builds into a season. Look, it's great to see him here. Uh, he'll play one of the Melbourne lead-up events as the top seed, so he'll be out on court probably Tuesday or Wednesday unless he decides to pull out last minute and just do a training block uh, for a week. Um, hard to know. We just haven't seen him play for quite some time. Um, you know, he's he's 35. It's, it's fascinating, isn't it? I mean, if he could sneak an Australian Open if Djokovic didn't come, we know Roger's not coming. Uh, and win it for a second time, and get to twenty one. This race between these guys is uh, yeah, it's brilliant to to watch, and I want them to play forever and as much as the next generations are uh, coming through. but yeah, it'll be tough, I think, for Nadal with not a lot of matches in the last six months.
1: Yeah, you beat me to it, actually, because you know we have we have lived through probably one of the greatest eras of men's tennis with the, the names that we talk about. It'll be a sad, it'll be a sad day, won't it, when there won't be an Nadal on the court or a Roger on the court or a, or a Djokovic on the court. It'll, it'll, it'll something won't feel right. And and is there is there the talent that have the the draw like those three to continue it on?
3: Well, it's a fascinating question, I and mean, I you know I, I think there is. I, mean, I, I suppose I'm immersed in tennis, so I see it on both the men's and women's yeah. side, uh, and they may never achieve the records clearly of those three, and then Serena on the women's side. Uh, I don't think those records will ever probably be broken uh, ever again. But I think there's certainly the talent, I think there's the, the charisma and the personality of these um, these next generation players to you know keep tennis at the forefront. But you're right. I mean, I've said all along, and I'm an Unabashed Federer fan. I just love the way he's played the game. Classic. I love the way he's carried himself over a long time, and that will be an extremely sad day uh, for me not to see Roger. And I'm, You know, I'm just hoping he can actually get back out on the tennis court and finish his career that way rather than off-court, and we never see him ever again. Uh, but, yeah, it's been an incredible generation. Um, these guys play at a level that boy, uh, not many can match and the things they do behind the scenes, you've got to be uh, you've got to be absolutely dedicated to this sport to make it happen.
1: Just briefly, Sitsipas's, uh elbow what's the story there?
3: Well he's an interesting character Stefanos. there's no doubt about that and uh, Apostolos, uh, his father who's uh, <laughs> very animated, he's got a baby himself this year so he doesn't get uh, too many fines uh, Apostolos because he loves to uh, coach from the sidelines, uh, but look he didn't play the singles, then he, um, he came out for the doubles, so I think you know, just a precaution. Um, but I wouldn't I wouldn't say he's 100% right. If you're looking at that brigade of Medvedev, you know, Sverev looks pretty sharp to me. I've done a couple of his matches uh, at the ATP Cup. He, um, he looks in really good nick. So I'd, I'd have Stefan sort of behind that group, even though he made the semifinals at the Australian Open last year. I think he, he might take a little bit of time to work into the season. But, yeah, the elbow... Gee, particularly in singles, the physicality of the game at the men's level, you, you need every part of your body functioning beautifully.
1: How good. Just just one final thought and I appreciate the time you're giving me, mate. Casper Rood. What what a year he mm. had, hey?
3: Yeah. Yeah, he's a ripper. Uh, it's a great story. I'm back on heading down shortly. We're going to cover Norway today in the ACP Cup, so looking forward to sitting right courtside and watching him. His dad, Christian, of course, former uh, professional, is the captain of this Norway team. He's sort of been known as Uh, the clay court specialist Casper, and then he won his first uh, hard court title in san diego uh, late last year but just a game built on a really really good work ethic he's a former junior uh, number one Uh, he certainly doesn't possess the same uh, vertical attributes uh, that a lot of these big name players in the game uh, possess but he does hit the ball extremely well he covers the court so this is the great part of their tennis. I mean, Diego Schwartzman's a great example of the smallest man in tennis. It's a game for all sizes. And that, you know, with uh, the rackets these days and what they can do, uh, Stephen, the power that players can generate, uh, every you know, every uh, size in the game can certainly play. But, no, I think Rude certainly can stay around the mark now. I don't think he's going to, you know, dip too far the other way.
1: And as the first serve back for the Open on SEN.
3: We'll be back, uh, yeah, Monday, January 17th. So two weeks from today, we will... Um, we will lead uh, our coverage into uh, the opening ball of the Australian Open. So a special time of 9am, uh, 11am for you guys over in New Zealand on the SCN app. You can you yeah, be tuning in as we uh, count down to yeah, the opening match of the Australian <laughs> Open.
1: And just keep, keep an eye on that Robbie Koenig, right? Look after that South African. He can be a dangerous one, loves his coffee.
3: He'll be part of our team. So you'll hear Robbie, <laughs> uh, no doubt, on SCNZ, uh He's a beauty, my favourite tennis commentator by the length of the straight. So yeah. uh, looking forward to seeing Robbie again.
5: Yeah, we've
1: worked with him many years over here when we had the ASB Classic. He's just a lot of fun. and <laughs> ha- Has he actually taken you fly fishing yet? Has he found any fly fishing?
3: No, he does try and sell it to me every time because when I do catch up with Robbie, we tend to go through all the uh, the great stuff he's done away from <laughs> tennis because he doesn't get too many breaks. And uh, he's a man <laughs> of adventure, that is for sure. loves his golf uh, as well. So, you yeah, know, a man who's got a... Um, just an encyclopedia of sayings oh, that he can even do a tennis <laughs> commentary.
1: Yeah, I know. Uh, Brett, thank you so much for your time. Have a great day at the Cup today and uh, best of luck with the open and first serve, mate. Pleasure. Good to chat. Sir. Yeah, thank you. Likewise. Brett Phillips, thanks to Yonex, who on January the 15th will launch their new E-Zone 7th generation tennis racket crafted for power. Just have to head to yonex.com. It's
0: 10.46. Days on SENZ. It's Kiwi for Sport.
1: on a Monday, January 3, 2022. Say it slowly because we're in a brand new year. I'm always intrigued when we hear the the promo for First Sporting Heroes. Who was your first sporting hero? Uh,
2: Mine was quite easy. Uh, John Kerwin. Growing up, so I was five years old in 1987. Uh, and when he was scoring all those tries for the All Blacks, I was just like, "Holy moly, who is this guy? Amazing!" And then Auckland came to Nelson, where I lived, and played Nelson Bay's in a Ranfurly Shield challenge, and bought their best team and beat them seventy-two nil. And John Coo and scored like five tries, and I was just like, "This is the best did, day of my life."
1: Did you try and rush up and get an autograph? Or, oh, or...
2: absolutely! Yeah, had the program, got everyone to sign it. it oh, so he signed it. One of the greatest days of my life, and oh, remains goodness. a great day. What about you, Stephen? Uh, First, well, a, hero. a
1: weird one. You, you, you Might be surprised, Bjorn Borg. What the tennis player Bjorn Borg? Well, it's not really. It was just. Is it not? No, no, I love tennis, and I when I started, I loved I was well, never a great tennis player. I, just loved I thought you'd be tennis. a McEnroe guy. No, Bjorn Borg, and uh, because he had a Donne racket, so my first racket was a wooden Donne racket, just like Bjorn Borg, and I I used to play at my friend Kevin Gray's place, and just out of Putaradu on the on the Strait, the we call the T-Rail Strait. His uh, family farm had a a, um, a grass tennis court, and we used to play. No lights, we'd play till it was dark, and he had a he had a, a racket called a Kawasaki, like yeah. <laughs> like the motorbike. Ca- he he had a Kawasaki, and I had my donna, and I have many many memories of just whacking a ball over on a grass tennis court. So yeah, that was he was my hero. And tennis, say eh? what and a we, sport. And when you look at the the way technology has changed and how they won with those little, little wee rackets yeah. and little heads, and now they're they're rockets. Uh, yeah, so yeah, that was my one. I was just fast. So what about what about B man? Just Brian, quickly got you, yeah, Brian, on the just panel, quickly.
3: Yeah? <laughs> so you just quickly, I uh, had to have a good think there, but probably Martin Crowe.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I understand that one. I understand that. But yeah. Every time I think about Martin Crowe, I, I I feel sad. Yeah, Because yeah. That was the, He's one of the Extreme. great. Ones. Just sad. All right. So there, Martin Crowe, John Kerwin, and Beyond Borg. All right. If you've got a sporting hero, what do you call us and tell us? Oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. It's ten fifty three. Ten fifty eight. This third of January, twenty twenty two. You have to actually say that slowly, don't you? Oh yeah, twenty twenty two. Uh, it is it is a big old day in the NFL. It's week 17 of 18. It's their longest ever season. They're calling it their greatest ever season because they added a week to it. But it's a very important one for a number of teams. But I saw an interesting stat just pop up in the Arizona-Dallas Cowboys match. If, you, if you're punting at the TAB, and remember to gamble responsibly at tab.co.nz, uh, Kyler Murray, who is the Arizona quarterback in seven games that he has played in high school football, college football, and as the Arizona Cardinals, he's unbeaten as a quarterback at uh, at and Stadium, which is the the Dallas Cowboys. Um, home home stadium. So just a little thought. They lead 3-0 at the moment in this week 17 showdown. We're going to talk to SENZ Gerard Cronin after 11 o'clock about all the ramifications. Uh, Mitchell McLennan's uh, 15-game multi uh, got upset because the Raiders uh, came home and beat the Colts 23-20 in the final. Also after uh, 11 o'clock today, you're going to have another crack at Stumped by Stephen. On Friday, gone, uh, Brian, in his first attempt, uh, threw out the hardest one he could possibly think of. And uh, the person we played with chose rugby league. And neither of us, neither of us got any of the three questions right So our lucky winner walked away with the $50 TAB voucher uh, because of that. So that'll be coming your way after around 11.30 this morning. Still lots to come to. We're going to talk to Ben Harrington after midday. This is a young Wanaka kid, 20-year-old, who's had his highest ever placing in a half-pipe World Cup in Calgary, finishing seventh. He wants to try and make Beijing, which tomorrow is a month away. So there is a lot to look forward to. So that's all coming your way after 11 o'clock right here on SENZ Summer Days. for sport. Four on a Monday morning. Yes, it is a Monday. Oh, are we still morning? It's 11 o'clock. Yes, 11.04, Stephen. It's still Monday morning, the 3rd of January 2022. And it's week 17 of the NFL and their greatest season with still one regular week of play to go. But a big day today for many teams in trying to either clinch the division, get a wild card or whatever. Now, the only guy you should really talk to, I spoke to him about, it must be a month ago, is Jared Cronin out of SENZ in Australia. He knows. How many screens are you watching at the moment, pal?
6: Uh, let's see, I've got uh, currently one, two, three, four going, uh, and also
1: got a uh, a young puppy running around as well, so I'm
6: entertaining him simultaneously, picking him <laughs> all the acts and then talking to you. <laughs> Happy New Year, my friend. Same to you, mate. I hope you had a, uh, a
1: lovely uh, plan uh, for Christmas and New Year. Yeah, no, it was a quiet one. So let's let's just uh, look at this and let's break it down a little bit. So uh, were you a little nervous about the Bucks, even though they've clinched the division, that they, they got home again by the Jets 28-24? Were they a bit busted?
6: Look, I don't think they were ever, I mean, they were obviously trailing for most of the game, but uh, I don't know, you just get a feeling with the Bucks that they can sometimes just do enough to get by. They do have a couple of injuries on the offensive side of the ball, which has been uh, you know, a little bit of an impact on them, uh, lo- losing Chris Godwin, the wide receiver, for a season-ending injury. Uh, and then also today, uh, not actually the injury, but uh, more for being uh, benched or just straight walking off the field was... Uh, wide receiver Antonio Brown, who just decided mid-game that he'd had enough and uh, took off all the pads, took off his helmet and his uh, uniform and just uh, ran off into the, uh, the locker room and said, I've, I've had enough.
1: Is there is there any story behind this?
6: Well, apparently he'd been uh, benched in the lead up to his little walk-off incident. So my guess is that there's probably been something bubbling away there behind the scenes, but you never quite know with Antonio Brown what you're going to get. Um, he's, he's a bit like a box of chocolates. Um, but yeah I, I guess um, there, there's obviously something that's been in the lead up going on there and um, it's kind of gone to this point so we'll see what happens next and if he is even part of the roster coming next week well
1: how how important is he for the Buck's defense if they get can get to Super Bowl
6: well look, he um he, he's been a, a very good weapon for Tom Brady at, at certain times throughout the season and he's just kind of the, the veteran kind of presence that he would you know Tom would really appreciate as they go into the postseason as well as they look to make another Super Bowl run. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's going to be um, a heightened importance as well to try and have him around without Chris Godwin, the main wide receiver there. So, I don't know, it becomes a question of, um, you know, talent versus however many problems he may cause within the unit. So, yeah, it's going to be a, a, something to just keep a bit of an eye on. And, and Bucs fans maybe a little bit more nervous uh, than they would have been um, if other things had been held equal, but Uh, You know, a good comeback today against the Jets. They did struggle for most of the game, but once you get down to that final couple of minutes, you know, it's it's basically Tom Brady time. And uh, he he came up with the goods again, throwing a a nice little touchdown pass to a a wide receiver named Grayson, who I had never heard of before. So, um, yeah, a good little uh, win for them. And it'll be interesting to see what they can do in the last week.
1: Have you been sucked into the Tom Brady vortex that's called the man in the arena?
6: I haven't yet, no. Really? um, You haven't?
1: haven't. Oh, you're missing something,
5: man.
6: No, I'm I'm, I'm trying to, uh, I was was just basically trying to save up all the episodes so I can binge watch them all at once. (laughs) Um, Because the episode that I saw come up last week was to do with the 2016 uh, Super Bowl the comeback
1: against my Atlanta Falcons, which I wasn't really that keen on watching. <laughs> hey, look, um, I get a little slightly confused. So if you can help me, out, we'll talk about some of the other games, but the Patriots were too good for the Jags that I put 50 on them. So they've clinched an AFC East wild card. And the Bills, who are both they're both 10 and 6. Why have they both got wild cards and not one got the divisional title? Can you explain that to me?
6: Yeah, it just comes down to obviously with their records being this or similar. Yeah, uh, it comes down to a lot of tiebreakers between uh, their in division record, uh, their head to head record. They've played each other twice and and each won one game, so so they've split that series between them. So basically, there it does come down to the final round of what they do in the next game to, to separate who is actually going to clinch the AFC. The okay, final.
1: okay, but, but
6: but it was. It was a, it was a strange one because it really did seem as though the Buffalo Bills it was their division to own for the next few years. But oh, Bill Belichick and the Patriots had something else to say about that. So yeah, it comes down to the last week really to see who can separate
1: themselves. So, Jared, just to keep it clear for people, each divisional each divisional winner uh, goes through to the playoffs, and then so and then there are wild cards. Right? Are they the next best records or what?
6: Correct. Yes. So, uh, yeah four division winners and then you have three wild card teams nowadays so that is basically the best of the rest so whoever's won the most games out of any any division on the particular conference uh, they oh. will go through and, okay yeah, so okay so uh, that so we're, we're talking
1: fun. 11 teams are we
6: well no sorry uh, we're, we're talking um, seven teams in total Uh for Per conference, per conference.
1: So, okay, okay. So it's yeah. a it is a fourteen a fourteen team playoffs. Okay. Uh, you, were yeah. you surprised that the Chiefs went down to Cincinnati? Cincinnati have clinched the AFC North, tied hellish tied a game, but the Chiefs have always already grabbed the AFC West with an eleven five. What do you do? You like the Bengals? I like this Joe Burrow.
6: I really do like the Bengals, and I was actually excited about this game. Even coming into this week, I thought this could be a, a real of a match. And a potential playoff preview because both of these teams are stacked with firepower. They've got a lot of talent. And the Bengals are just really a team that's starting to ascend. They are still a bit patchy on the offensive line. But, man, they have got some weapons on their offense. Even uh, wide receiver Jamar Chase, the rookie wide receiver. Now, he put up 266 receiving yards and three touchdowns. Now, if you're a quarterback and you have 266 yards and three touchdowns, you call that a pretty good day at the office. Mm-hmm. So for a wide receiver to do that by himself, uh, that's a uh, that's just a freakish um, sort of talent that he has and an amazing combination that he has with Joe Burrow as well. This ended up being a really tight-fought contest. The Chiefs were up 28-14 at, at halftime, so it looked as though they may just kind of cruise from there, but Bengals are having none of that. They were at home. They're hungry for a division title, which they managed to snatch at the end by getting the win. And yeah, a really good comeback, an exciting game to watch. And they've got so much um, star power in their heart. I like the Bengals, and yeah, I, I would love to see a rematch. Between the Chiefs and the Bengals, come postseason.
1: Strong result for the Rams over the Ravens today. They go to twelve and four. There, and both they and the Cardinals have got that wild card. I can't understand why they've got uh, clinched the wild card. The Rams and the Cardinals, when the Rams are twelve and four and the Cardinals are at ten and five.
6: Well, they're basically leading the rest of the NFC. So, okay. um, so any team, yeah, they'd need to have... I think the rest of the teams are kinda of sitting on nine and seven of the next best. Uh, Eagles so, Eagles yeah, are at nine and
1: seven. I think the Raiders are at nine and seven as well. So uh the yeah. Eagles might squeeze in, right?
6: The Eagles, yeah, I think the Eagles are looking pretty good. They got their eighth win in a row today. sorry, well, eight sorry, eighth win out of the last ten games today. A uh, bit of a struggle against Washington, but they're that sort of scrappy kind of team that you just need to try and, you know, get the result against. So they'll be happy to get the win, and they're, yeah, they're sitting there at 9-7. and seven. I think between them and uh, a team like the 49ers are also on 9-7. Um, those two teams would be looking pretty solid, I think, to make it through as wild card teams. There, there,
1: there was one team you just can't help looking at going, uh, the, the Patriots, you know, Mac Jones. Uh, they just seem to be chewing results away and sitting quietly waiting.
6: Absolutely. And they've kind of done it a lot under the radar, to be honest, with the offense changed over the last couple of years. Even the defense has gone through a lot of change in the past couple of seasons due to especially COVID that impacted mm. last year. So they've are yeah, they just kind of snuck in under the radar and just quietly gone about you know, doing what the Patriots do. They could very well steal a division title if they get the right result next week. They're still, still sitting behind the bills on tiebreaker, but as you say, the records um, are identical between those two teams. So if they get the right result, they could actually, you know, win the division title and actually get a home game in the playoffs, which would be you know, uh, unfathomable at the start of the year.
1: What do you make of the Bills and Josh Allen?
6: Look, I, I thought I would believe in them more than I do at this point. As we came into the start of the season, they came in on fire and everyone was looking at them thinking, all right, here we go. This is the year they're going to take the next step. They've been to the AFC Championship game last year this could be the year they take the leap and step over the Chiefs. And they managed to dump the Chiefs early on in the season. And from that point, everyone thought, well, this is the obvious superpower in the AFC. But since then, they've really just staggered their way through the remainder of the season. They're only sitting at 10 and 6. They got the win today against the the beleaguered Falcons, but that's not saying much. Um, So, yeah, they are a little bit of a... They're a tricky one to get a gauge on. I don't think they have played anywhere near their level of consistency that they would have been hoping for. But, you know, having said that, Josh Allen come playoff time, he's the kind of guy can do some special things. So uh, maybe, a, maybe a sleeper, but for this, this point, I think they don't really inspire a heck of a lot of confidence.
1: Yeah, the one team that probably saw a chance go begging today was the Dolphins, right? Titans, too good for them. And I, I like this tight. Something, I don't know, something about the Titans. I could be completely wrong, but I, I think the Dolphins were ruining a drop chance here.
6: Yeah, very much so. Um, The Dolphins come in on a seven-match winning streak. They had started the year, I think, one and seven, and then they have just gone gangbusters and come through flying with the, uh, you know, they put the old foils up on the boat there and they were flying home. But um, they went into Tennessee today and and had their aspirations really, you know, sat down. um, And it's four to eight and eight now, which is making it very tough for them, I think, to get in on that AFC side of the draw. But um, yeah, full credit to the. There we go. Did the full credit to the Tennessee Titans for you know just pulling out the win when they needed to, and also with the victory today, which was a handy one, they now move to 11 and five, and all of a sudden, whoopsie doodle, they're on top of the AFC. They get home advantage in the playoffs if things hold next week. So that ended up being actually quite a huge result for Tennessee as the Chiefs slip underneath them.
1: The pack. Are they going all the way?
6: Look, I for weeks, I've actually been thinking a Chiefs-Packers Super Bowl was going to be in the offing. Um, and I'm still going to stick by that just little um, yeah sneaky pick there. But I think the Packers, yeah, they've definitely got what it takes, I think, to get to the big game. be interesting to see what they can do when they get there. But, you know, they haven't sort of really set The game's on fire. Each game that they've won has been a little bit scrappy, but they've also had a real air of, you know, confidence about them and seemed pretty comfortable. They should get the win this week against the Vikings, who have been hit by COVID issues, so they've got a number of players out. So you'd expect the Packers to come back and beat the Vikings, who, you know, they'll also be looking for a bit of revenge from last time because the Vikings are one of the teams who've beaten them early in the season. So. And Aaron Rodgers and the boys won't be liking that too much. So they'll be looking to come out, make a bit of a statement, and also just sit firm on you know trying to clinch home uh, advantage in the playoffs. Um, uh, but I, I do, I do think that um, you know if, if they can do that, then it all roads to Super Bowl go through Lambeau Field, which is already the nicest place of the year to uh, place uh, to play at this time of year, should I say? No. So I mean- that.
1: Tough. Yeah, I, I, what interests me is that it, it, it could be another year of the experience QB, right? I mean, I'm, I love you know, you know, I'm a Cowboys guy, and Dak Prescott and this this team are... I don't know if they're there yet or thereabouts, but they're they're getting there, right?
6: They are. They're scrapping, and they're um, yeah. The oh, offense has been really struggling. They're currently trailing the Cardinals at the moment. I know. 3-0. I'm
1: watching. I'm watching.
6: Uh, Too early, early days, but um, you know. Uh, they'll be looking to try and get something going. Another team that I do like, all the pieces that they have, they've, they've got a lot of potential there, and if they get the ingredients right on any particular game, they can cause a lot of trouble. So I'm interested to see what these, yeah, the Cowboys can bring. They're basically, they've basically yeah, they've sewed sold, sold up the NFC East division handily. And, um, yeah, it'd just be a matter of making a couple of tweaks and try and get as healthy as possible. As they head into the you know the postseason, Jared,
1: well, what do you make of this lengthened season? A one week extra season has it been good for the game as a whole?
6: That's well, been interesting. I was having a little look over the stats um, for the, like, the passing leaders today, and it's interesting that the extra game hasn't really added much to the, the stat line. Like I remember days gone by, you had Peyton Manning throwing a good you know five thousand yards. 50 touchdowns to set the NFL record, and that was only in 17 games. And currently, uh, Tom Brady, I think, is pacing the uh, the quarterbacks. He's only got about 4,600-odd yards and 30-odd touchdowns. So it hasn't really sort of seen a massive offensive explosion. Maybe defenses have adjusted a bit, and certainly COVID issues have, have just definitely had uh, an impact on that as well. But, uh, you know, I, I guess it's, it's a funny one. It sort of feels a bit weird that we are... Yeah, you know, we're still a week away from finishing, and kind of at the point of the year where normally we're into the playoffs. So mentally, it's a bit of a shift even from a, a fans' perspective. And I guess it'll be extra strange when we get to the end of it, Super Bowl being mid-February rather than early February. So there'll that, be an interesting change around it. But um, but you know, I'm, I'm with it. I, I haven't really noticed too much of a problem with it.
1: All right. So, uh, have you have you actually now that we have gone through the, the two conferences, you still think it's a uh, the Packers and someone?
6: Yeah. Look, I, I still think um, I still like the Packers and the Chiefs. They've just got a lot of class, um, you know, on, on both sides of the ball, and they've been they've been playing you know reasonably well or well enough. And I mean, there are teams on lately like, AFC. Like, obviously, I've mentioned the Bengals, who I do really like. And they could be a team to, to like, streak in there. Uh, And then, obviously, on the NFC side of the ball, you've got the Rams and also the Buccaneers who, you know, they know a thing or two about winning football at this time of the year. So uh, I'll I'll still stick with my Chiefs Packers Super Bowl. um, But, um, yeah, we'll we'll see how it goes. Obviously, a long way to go before that happens. But, um, yeah, we'll, we'll give it a crack.
1: And next year's the one for the Falcons. It'll be next year. (laughs)
6: <laughs> oh, next year, I'll tell you what, they'll be, they be on fire next year. The it's going to be fantastic.
1: It's been, our year next year. It's our it. year. It's our year. Yeah, I get it. All right, yeah. right. Hey, mate, thanks so much for sharing your thoughts on the Week 17. I appreciate it. Get back to those four screens and the puppy, okay?
6: <laughs> Thanks very much, mate. We'll catch you later.
1: Yeah, you're more than welcome. SEN's Gerard Cronin, our NFL expert. Uh, just a quick update from the Bay Oval. Uh, Bangladesh have lost to it. It's the 21-year-old Mamudul Hassan Joy out for 78. Court Nichols Bold Wagner. So at the moment, uh, Bangladesh are 184 for three. That's 184 for three. It's 11.20 twenty two. Just a reminder. After midday, we'll replay our Mark Hunt interview. Uh, considering that uh, he's been ordered to pay more than 388 thousand US dollars in legal fees and costs to the UFC after. Uh, the court judgment worked against him presenting another barrier to his ongoing doping lawsuit because he's been taking them on saying they're basically a pack of cheats. And he's, he's he, and he, he won one, lost one, and now he's lost another big one. So it's going to be really interesting to see what he does. But we spoke to him about oh, three weeks ago, was it three weeks ago, about his uh, movie, The Fight of His Life, which is coming out. And he's a, he's a really cool character. Uh, this one will go down like a cup of cold sick, obviously. That he's had to pay these legal fees, but it is what it is. We'll play that around 12.30. And not too far... If, you have, if you've been out of the loop, and when I say out of the loop, meaning haven't been following the news, we had a couple of dames in the news honours list. One was Dame Sophie Pascoe, and now also Dame Lisa Carrington, who we are hoping to talk to uh, on Monday the 10th here on Summer Days, working on that one furiously. Uh, but we are, before midday data we're going to replay our interview with Dame Sophie Pascoe because it was just a lot of fun. And when you think that she's the youngest ever dame, well, so should I say, yeah, well, she's the youngest ever Dame. I think uh, Valerie Adams, Dame Valor, was uh, 32, and Sophie's only 28. It was just a, a lot of fun, and she said a couple of interesting things, so you, you've got that to look forward to. Now, if you remember, oh, about five minutes ago, uh, Jared Cronin was talking about Antonio Brown from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, going going south, so to speak, and just walking off the pitch in their, their big win, well, their win against the Jets. Well, he's actually been kicked off the team, so what happens is he, in the middle of it, uh, he takes his shirt off, waves the team, and coach Bruce Ariana said after the game that Brown was off the team, quote, he's no longer a buck. It happened in the third quarter when they were trailing 24-10, um, and he just tossed the gloves and shirts into the stands, walked bare-chested down the sideline into the end zone, and then, and then sod it off. Uh, the, the interesting outcome to this, though, and we know how they love their money, he threw away the potential of an, a million-dollar bonus, because he needed eight more catches to unlock a $333,000 bonus. He needed 55 more receiving yards to another 333000 And one more receiving touchdown to unlock another 333000 So he threw a million dollars away by losing his rag, John. Now, I just don't get that. He has been suspended for three games uh, last month for violating the, the league's COVID policy, right? But... Wow.
2: Are they the prima donnas of American football? What? I don't watch the a lot of American rec- wide football. Wide receivers?
1: Yeah. I don't know. I, no, I, I I don't know enough to even go down that path as well. They are rock stars. Yeah. You know, they're like rugby wingers, you know. Do, they yeah. <laughs> give it the ball, score the score touchdown. Score all the points and yeah. do their uh, weaknesses uh, dance. A, and, yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, but when things don't go their way, what they drop their lip because they're so used to being the man and scoring all the touchdowns. I, I think or? there was,
1: I think there would there would be part of that in the personality of some of these individuals. Yeah, completely. But to do that in a game, which did matter because they clinched the division. Obviously, the Bucks, uh, even though they're trailing, and I think he, I think there's been something brewing uh, with him not getting enough ball from Brady. Right. So I think there is an issue there. I've been sort of following that one just quietly.
2: Well, it's been pretty easy for the coach to say he's not in the team anymore, so it sounds like the coach didn't really want him there anyway. No,
1: yeah, and and a good coach will always have backup, right? And it just opens the door for someone else. Well, they're 54. four-man squads? Yeah. Or 51... Yeah, they're huge. 50, they're, they're huge squads. I yeah. mean, I, I still struggle with the kickoff team, that the kickoff team and they chase the ball and that's it, they're done. And then, yeah, you're done. Yeah, you're Special done. teams. Yeah. Well done,
2: guys. Yeah, well Here's done. a million
1: dollars. Yeah, oh, look, it is a huge, huge business, right? And we were talking about this on summer days before you went away for Christmas, and the fact that the one thing they get right in the NFL is that they hold their season, right? They, they, you, you, there's no nothing else but one season, so they... The expectation from fans for a season gets to almost fever pitch. Yeah. That by the time the season comes around, they're ready to roll and they're just they're, they're making bank, if you know what I mean. We, yep. they, and we think we were talking about the fact there was too much rugby, if that was the conversation yeah, well, we were having. Well, is
2: this, this is their longest, greatest, most incredible season it's ever, 18, and it's 18, 18, games, 18 weeks. 18 you know, weeks. Yeah. And, and You think 18 weeks? That's and then you get long. some playoffs, don't you? So what? Yeah, it's yeah. a 21? 14,
1: 14, 14 teams in the playoffs. So, yeah. as he said, mid February, mid February this time. For Super Bowl uh, Just to reminder You can give us a call now If you want to try and stump me uh, Stumped by Stephen Is coming up 0800 811. That's 0800 811. See if you can stump me Oh okay So Chris What's a Foxton fizz?
5: Uh, it's
6: only made in Foxton And it's um, actually exported Around the world It's a little wee um, They make uh, Like uh, Fizzy drinks Yeah
2: yeah. Oh, okay. Beautiful well, glass bottle. Really? Yep. Sleek. Lots of beautiful flavours. Yeah, they're in,
6: most, they're in most supermarkets. Yeah.
4: Well. Yeah,
1: they're pretty I, cheap. I, I did not know, so I have learned something. I have learned something. I've been put in my place. What? You don't know what a fox and a fizz Well, I do now. <laughs> All right. Let's Let's uh, let's get on with it. See if you can stump me.
2: So that's 1 0 to Chris. Um, <laughs> Forget the, that The categories today, Chris, are boxing, rugby league, and basketball. Which one of those gives you the best chance? Uh, boxing, definitely.
1: Boxing. All right. Okay. 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 All righty. That's an interesting one. This will be fun. Yeah.
2: Let's go then. Boxing. Had any fights, Chris? Any sanctioned ones or just um, (laughs) on the streets of Foxton? Yeah, I won a
7: couple of national titles. Whoa. 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 Whoa.
1: Well, do tell. Do tell. What weight weight, division, what year? Uh, 1964,
6: the junior national Title holder in the flyweight division. Yep, and um, most scientific boxer that year too. Oh and, you know, um, I I, I didn't doing...
1: realise there was actually a a award, amateur award for that. But there is an amateur award for the most scientific boxer. I was laid out on that one. That's, That's re- awesome. well, Congratulations, mate. That's fantastic. All right, cool well, as that. So you're yeah. gonna
2: clean me up here. Yeah, we've got a professional here. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Question number one, Chris. Who is the pound-for-pound pound best, best boxer in the world right now, as rated by BoxRec, The Ring magazine, and ESPN?
7: Have to be Tyson Fury, I think.
2: Boxer, any boxer, pound for he pound in the world. Fury. Right,
5: is oh, that cool?
1: No, he said Tyson Fury. Is that
2: not right? That is not correct. Well, I would have gone Canelo. Canelo is hey, not The chips, no no gets right in the slot under where it goes which is correct Canelo oh, Alvarez is the pound for pound best boxer in the world right now the super middleweight Canelo Alvarez oh, right. yeah okay fair enough unlucky Chris sorry mate okay mate call us back tomorrow Good. though give yeah, it another thanks. crack
1: Thanks, mate. Yeah, I appreciate it.
2: Yeah, yeah, you're more than
1: welcome, mate. have some fizz. What a good man. I'm going to have some fizz. I had two. So, two fly. So, it's most scientific box from 64 and a national flyway tosser. Yeah. Little fella that punches lots. I love watching flyweights I just chucked
2: it out there. had any fights? And boom, he's actually a bloody national champion. Uh, Quite that's incredible. Fantastic. I love a good story. All right, Jordan. Good morning, mate. Oh, yeah, still Hi, morning. morning. Hey, Jordan. How are you, mate?
1: Oh, good, thanks.
2: Yeah. Did you have a nice new year? Uh, yeah,
4: just quiet.
1: I now, Working through uh, Where are you working, bud?
3: Uh, I do
1: all the, um, the work, contracting work for Auckland Transport. Nice, nice. I oh, so you'll be uh, Auckland Transport. Yeah, plenty of work to do. All right, Good I'll stuff. hand it over to the quizmaster.
2: Yeah, mate, one stumping already, Stephen. So two more boxing questions for you. Jordan, how's your boxing knowledge? Uh, not a lot,
1: unfortunately.
2: No. Oh. <laughs> oh, oh. Okay. Give it a nudge, give it a nudge. All right, question number two. David Tua knocked out Shane Cameron in round two of the all-kiwi heavyweight bout, billed as the fight of the century. What year did that fight take place? You must remember um, Tua versus Cameron. Yeah,
4: yeah I do. Um, it's pretty fast, it's all over. It About
5: 2009
2: I think. That's a couple of chips down the wicket. Right in the slot, underwear. You goes. have smashed that to the boundary. Exactly right. 2009. Nailed oh, it, Jordan.
1: I was going to say 2004. I was there on the night. It was brutal. They should have stopped that a lot earlier. Yeah. That, that referee was a bit slow on it, man. That was a, an amazing, amazing night.
2: Yeah, poor old Shane had to walk back into the ring in round two, knowing, knowing he was about <laughs> to get knocked out by an angry David Tua. Quite amazing. <laughs> so, well done, Jordan. One more question, mate, and you get the 50 bucks, and you get the sleep drops if you get this Right. Lennox Lewis had 44 professional fights. How many losses did Lennox Lewis have during his career?
4: Um, I don't think he had any.
3: Yeah,
2: I don't think he had any losses. No, no, you are incorrect, unfortunately. He did have some losses. Uh, Stephen, over to you for a stumping. Four. Mm.
0: He's got him. He's out caught.
2: Not right either. He had two losses to Hassim Ruckman. Oh, yeah. Who he lost to after he beat David Torrey. He lost to Ruckman. And he lost to Oliver McCall. Oh, gosh. Whoever that is. And one draw with Evander Holyfield. So 41 wins, two losses, and one draw. Which means, Jordan, you don't get the sleep drops because you didn't get that question right, but you get the 50 bucks. Oh, that's something. That's not bad, is it, from the TV? Mate, you could be yes. a little more excited. I'm pretty excited for you.
4: <laughs> oh... Pretty, pretty good. I was just
5: watching the darts.
1: I put a bit on Gary Anderson. He's down three-one. Oh. oh well, there you go. It's that's, that's that that can anything can happen at the darts at the worlds. Hey mate, thanks so much for playing uh, Stunt by Stephen. But uh, look, straight sure you've come out on top with that fifty dollars TAB voucher. Well done, buddy.
5: Thanks. I enjoy your show. Thanks.
1: Uh you're more than welcome. Eleven thirty-eight. This is Summer Days on SENZ with Stephen McIver. the B Man, and John Day back in the house. Coming next, we'll replay a really, really lovely chat I had with Dame Sophie
0: Pascoe. Summer days on SENZ. It's Kiwi for Sport. 11.43,
1: if you've been sitting under a rock, two of our most successful athletes were honoured in their New Year's honours list. One is our most successful Olympian, who is now Dame, Dame Lisa Carrington. The other is our most successful Paralympian, and now Dame Sophie Pascoe. She's got 19 Paralympian medals, 11 of those are gold. And we spoke to her uh, last Friday about the honour and simply had to throw out. Good morning, Dame Sophie Pascoe.
8: Good
1: morning. Uh, How does that sound to you?
8: (laughs) Um, I haven't really, obviously, got used to it yet. I'm obviously uh, still Sophie, and uh, but it's a huge honour to receive this title, of course.
1: Yeah, I, I get the feeling you're going to be the type of woman that just wants to be called Sophie, and and I'll t- I'll take the dame and the official and the official functions, right?
5: <laughs>
8: yeah, yes, very much. so. it does definitely certainly doesn't change who I am as a person.
1: What was your first reaction when the the nod came along and you were offered the opportunity?
8: Yeah, it was a bit of a shock, really. Um, um, and a bit of a moment of wow really um, and took some time uh, with my partner and, and my nana to discuss uh, whether to accept it or not uh, just because you know I do feel like there's so many other Kiwis out there that is, are doing far more than myself uh, with me you know swimming because I love it and I love the challenge and, and I obviously wanting, wanted to leave a lasting legacy for sure um, so to receive a title for what I thought I've done um, within the sporting community and in the Paralympic community is uh, a very big honor so I yes I have accepted it with absolute pride and honor
1: so for you I get the impression it's not about it's not about the title it's not about the goals it's about the impact and, and you talk about the word legacy what do you want your legacy
8: to be well of course I just want it to be a positive lasting legacy that you know others can look up to and inspire and you know especially within the disabled community I'd love to see um, you know many more uh, people with disabilities to, uh, to feel like they can make an impact um, for our Society and you know for the wider community as well, and um, you know I'm I'm just one of a few that are paving that way, and you know I can only you know be one of a few Paralympians that you know made um, sounds over across the world with um, our achievement in our field of what we what we play.
1: Sophie, I'd love to know just a moment uh, where you where you know that you're you are making an impact. Can you have you got a story where you you know someone's just come out of the blue and said <laughs> what you are doing for me? Uh, goes beyond anything.
8: Yeah, I, I have had some amazing stories and some people come up to me in and, and my career and, you know, especially around um, other families that have gone through an accident themselves and um, that may have affected their, their daughter or son and, um, you know, just to be able to be a positive light and impact um, and a positive one in that in that matter to be able to enhance their family and, and know that, you know, they're not the only ones and that they can make um, inroads and... and be, um, uh, you know, somebody in this society because um, you know, I, I always think back on my childhood that, you know swimming for me um, was really an overshadow of my disability but it doesn't change who I am and, and walking the streets and uh, it's just so nice to be able to have those sorts of people come up to me and say that I've been able to change their lives because of what I've done and, and or their, their daughter's or son's life
1: How important is it for you to spread the message of acceptance of disability and nor we'll see in everybody's eyes.
8: Oh, it's massive. I think um, the word normal these days is, you know, a little blurry, to be quite honest with you. And, uh, you know, for myself, I do see myself as another person um, within society. You know, we're not all perfect. And, um, you know, I I look at the way that I handle my everyday life, but um, certainly with integrity and with everything that I do. But, you know, I find myself um, doing exactly what my other peers are doing. And if I can't do it their way, then I'll find a way. And um, so it's very important that all people are accepted and and the more that we're kinder to each other and we're accepting, I think we'll have a much um, kinder of, kind of world for sure.
1: I'm fascinated by your resilience and your mental strength. Where does that come from? Who does it come from? <laughs>
8: Look, I, I certainly think it, there's a, definitely a part of adversity that is in there, and that's obviously from the day of the accident. You know, of course, my family has had to live with um, this adversity, but we've we've wanted to make it a positive and, and not make it a negative. Um, so every day, even though even though I do say that, you know, I'm I'm one of many walking the streets um, feeling the same as my other peers. There are certainly days that I feel disabled. You know, I still have to put my leg on in the morning, and there's certainly daily challenges of when. I'm walking with pain um, and and it is struggle, but uh, you know, I find that's already an adversity within itself that you know makes me push through um, the hard barriers, and I think that's really transitioned into my um, field of sport. And you know, obviously, in sport, you've you've got to have that resilience, Um, you've got to be able to push yourself through that pain to get the successes.
1: I read a a lovely little piece in one of the papers this morning online, and and it was lovely because I I, I wondered whether how you. Followed through on this You said The moment I really wanted To become somebody And a swimmer Was when my grandfather Fell ill And was asking All the grandkids What we wanted to be When we grew up I said to him I wanted to be a swimmer Go to the Paralympics And win a gold medal for you I'm very good at Keeping my promise
8: Yes, I am certainly good at keeping my promises <laughs> and I'm sure he's very proud of looking down on me for sure. Um, you know, I, I didn't obviously at that age think that I was going to go on to be doing four Paralympic campaigns, but, um, you know, we're always asked as children, you know, what we want to be when we grow up and, and we're sort of finding our way, um, you know, as young kids through primary school and then obviously high school uh, and then the big question is, you know, what are you going to do? Are you going to go to university or are you going to go, stu- you know, study a trade and, um, you know, Know, for me to be able to make that decision so firmly at ten, and yeah. then to carry that on through my whole career, um, so far, um, yeah, I mean, I do look back on it and go, "Gosh, did I, <laughs> you know, did I think of wanting to be anything else?" And it's funny because actually, I did through high school. You know, all my friends had a job, um, you know, uh, paying, you know, having to pay, have some pocket money, as well as obviously go to um, university and then work while I at university. So my dream job was actually to be a checkout chick because. I was, all my girlfriends were, you know, um, working at the supermarket and I was in in awe of a different lifestyle, but I'm very thankful of my lifestyle that I've been able to travel the world, Uh, Something has taken me to great places, met some amazing people and I've got those, I've got these amazing memories for life and I know that, you know, the work life will come later, for sure.
1: What is the dream job? Have you thought about that now?
8: Well, yes, I'm. I'm currently in the um, stages of very early stages of wanting to start my own business, and um, and I'm hoping that's in the fashion industry. So, um, well, may may
1: may I say you wear you wear it well, you wear it well. Uh, You certainly (laughs) you certainly are a benchmark, might I say, at the Halbergs. What did you think of uh, Dame
8: Lisa? I think it's a massive achievement. I I did think about her in the back of my mind, knowing that if I, you know, she certainly had an incredible career. I mean, she's our top. Olympian, a New Zealand Olympian of all time, and um, it's well-deserving, absolutely. And she's a great friend and a beautiful person. She, there's no one else I can think of that's more deserving, for sure.
1: So when do you call time on all this? <laughs>
8: um, well, not just yet. Uh, I have the short-term goal of heading to Commonwealth Games, and um, I've made no firm decisions or plans after that. I want to take it day-by-day goal at this stage, and that's how I had to take it going into Tokyo, and it worked well for me um, through the hard struggles. But... Um, Uh, going forward I think it needs to be um, daily goals and obviously the short term goal at first.
1: Well all I can say is you are a shining light, you're a constant shining light uh, amongst New Zealanders and and, in this chosen sport that you have. Uh, How do you celebrate New Year's tonight?
8: Oh tonight I'm with um, my family and friends, my partner and we're just up in the Golden Bay in Nelson and just enjoying the sun and I'm sure there'll be a couple of champagne poured.
1: Well they are well deserved, you enjoy it. Sophie thanks for giving us your time Congratulations Dame Sophie Pascoe So there you go, that was from New Year's Eve 2021, Dame Sophie Pascoe and we are working hard and hopefully we're pretty confident too that we'll talk to Dame Lisa Carrington on Monday the 10th here on SENZ It's 11.52
0: Summer days on SENZ It's Kiwi for Sport 11.57,
1: 11.57, heading towards lunchtime wherever you are on Aotearoa, New Zealand. If this is lunchtime for you, I hope it's a nice, relaxing one. I can imagine one sitting by a lake or the sea under a, a Kawa tree sounds rather night like, with a nice, filled roll with ham you know, just that sounds alright, if you're doing it actually I discovered a lovely little walk the other day uh, with my wife and the dog, um, I'd never been to a, a farm cove in Auckland it's a lovely little walk around the eastern suburbs, uh, different part of the eastern suburbs and uh, it was really cool, and the families out there with their shelters up, it was just really lovely, uh, Neil uh, Wagner almost got another wicket, but he didn't they're currently Bangladesh at 193 for three, he got denied a court behind of Mamunul Huk, the skipper so currently 193 for three Bangladesh, uh, Mumun Mark the skipper, on 9, off 62. And Mushfiku Rahim, uh, 6, off 27. The bowling figures, uh, yeah... Okay, Tim Southey, 15 overs, 2 maidens, uh, 41 runs. Uh, Trent Bolt, 14 overs, 5 maidens for 37. Kyle Jameson, 18, 8 and 36. Uh, Rutsch and Ravindra, 10 overs, 1 maiden for 27. But they're quite, uh, currently Wagner is 22 and a half to almost 23 overs, 7 maidens, 43, 3 wickets, and an economy rate, JD, of 1.88. That's a that's a pretty handy economy rate. And then you came out and said to me, oh, maybe he could be like AJ's Patel and get all 10 wickets.
2: Well, it was looking like that, and it looked like he had four. What do you mean it, it was looked like he had like four, and then he overstepped <laughs> by the barest of margins, to use that phrase. It was just, they had to get right in with the old microscope uh, and get right in there, and it's just like, is there a bit of the foot behind the line? I was that close. And they said yes, and then Wagner, being the firebrand that he is, blew up Deluxe, of course. <laughs> he was not happy, spitting tax. He knows he's got 10 in his sight, Stephen. And how dare we take Neil Wagner to India and not play I'm oh. still angry about that as well. Wow,
1: wow, whoa, whoa, someone else has blown up Deluxe. Wow, back the truck up JD. I know you've come off holiday but boy you've, you've come on with guns blazing, all the shots loaded and just pow 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 pow, pow, pow. 193 for three. <laughs> Bangladesh. Man, you are on Well
2: fuck. we must say as well when we update the cricket, thanks to Razine as well, they do love coming to the party Stephen and they're the New Zealand's most trusted paint brand as well.
1: Yes, celebrating 75 years of Kiwi paint and colour, our good friends at Razine. Coming your way after midday we're going to Calgary, eh? Eh? Yeah, we're going to Calgary to talk to Kiwi Ben Harrington at his best finish in the Half-Pipe World Cup, and we'll also replay Mark Hunt's interview from earlier. Uh, there's a lot to look forward to, and if you want to be part of the conversation, you know what to do. 0800 150 That's 0800 150 811 on SENZ. This is SENZ. It's three minutes past 12 on a Monday, the 3rd of January 2022. Just trying to get uh, Ben Harrington and Calgary at the moment. We're having a a few technical issues, as they like to say. We can tell you though that Neil Wagner has taken his third wicket, but why don't we just play the first two wickets he took yesterday uh, on day two. He was taught my apologies. Uh, This was him talking about uh, taking those two wickets.
7: Neil, it looked a, a tough ask out there the
6: Bangladesh uh, batsmen looked like they played particularly well. H- how tough was it uh, in terms of trying to
7: eke out wickets? Yeah, I guess obviously full credit to to those Bangladesh batsmen. I thought, I thought they played really well. They showed a lot of patience um, and showed a bit of fight. Um, obviously a pretty tough draft out there. Um, it's just a good, good day's hard, I guess, tough test cricket. I think we fought really hard and tried really hard. Um, just couldn't really string it together enough and, and I guess grabbed enough pressure from both ends and um that's test cricket. We've got opportunity tomorrow to come back and obviously fight harder and, and, and do it right, I guess, in that sense and, and try and create some pressure tomorrow, get early wickets and, and get ourselves back into it nicely.
0: And how special for you to get back out on the pitch uh,
6: and playing for New Zealand in Tests test. I saw you warming up when we came back from lunch, just almost uh, steam
0: coming out of your nostrils, getting ready to go. <laughs> yeah,
7: it's been a while since I've played cricket, obviously. Um, with COVID, sort of, oh, I guess... Playing as part, um, not playing domestic cricket before we left India, and then then obviously um, not having played in India, it's the first time in seven months, I think it is, since i played a game. So not used to a layoff like that, so I was really eager to get out there. It's quite nice to get that opportunity, and every time we play a test match is obviously pretty special. So um, to get out there on on your home ground and and represent New Zealand is uh, is, uh, every kid's dream, and um, yeah, pretty lucky to be able to do that. So Tough day out there. Um, like I said, I thought we kept trying, and we really everyone tried really hard, and um, wasn't really to be to be our day. And, and full credit to, to the Bangladeshis. I thought they played really well.
1: Perhaps just the final cool. thought for me, Neil. How much do you think yeah. it'll take spin? Is as the as
0: the test <laughs> progresses?
7: Sorry, can you say that again?
0: Uh, how much uh, do you I'm think gonna... it'll take spin as the test progresses?
7: Yeah. Um, look, obviously. Um, <laughs> I think uh, Bay of Finney and, and Mount Wangarui has turned, turned the weather on for us. Um, since I've come out of isolation, being at home, it's been been pretty hot and pretty windy. So normally our conditions are more semi-friendly and, and the wall seems around and, and do have a bit more green grass. I think with the, the hot weather around, especially the wind, it was quite windy out there today. Um, and, and yesterday it, it dries the wicket out quite a bit. So there could be a bit more spin, but it also brings the seamers back in Later in the game, uh, the wicket can go up and down, like we've seen here against Bangladesh, I so say against Pakistan, and also against England. Um, so it's just about us coming back tomorrow and obviously stringing together. So first head out um, after being out of isolation, obviously, and, and getting to be to together as a group. Um, first game in New Zealand in, in quite some time now. So um, us to, to come back tomorrow, play some good cricket, building that partnerships, bowling partnerships and I guess grow that pressure back on them. If we put two, three wickets quickly on them and uh, swing it around, um, anything can unfold from there. Uh, so uh, there's still a lot of cricket left. Um, so that's why it's the beauty of Test Cricket going five days. So um, yeah, the wicket might take a turn but also will create opportunities later down the track if those cracks do come into play with the weather we've had.
5: to
7: Isam. That- uh, Neil, uh, you've, you've normally faced uh, you know Bangladeshi cricketers like Tamim or Shakib or Mushfiq uh, mostly when you've played against them. You had uh, two young cricketers today uh, batting for for a, for quite a while. I mean, the, the top three batted for more than fifty overs. Um, was that surprising to you? And how did you you know assess them uh, as batters? Yeah, um, Bangladesh. Whenever they've come here, has been you know a pretty tough opponent. They've always played well in our conditions. Um, I think the other guys you mentioned. So and all them, they play a different brand of cricket. They come out, I guess, quite aggressive and play a few more shots. So that creates opportunities as well, um, and and that leads in that opportunities for us to obviously be able to to get wickets. Um, they quality players, those guys that you've mentioned, um, and they've been around for quite some time. And and the younger guys who played today played phenomenally. Arthur, they played quite patient. They didn't really give too many opportunities, and they sort of hung in there. They were they were prepared to dig in and. I guess, they let the ball go quite a lot. and um, That made us having to, I guess, ask more questions and try and uh, get wickets, which then gave them the opportunity to score. So I thought they played really well and, and full credit to them. Uh, showed a lot of patience and um, I guess it's turning on to us to, to come and be patient and put the ball in right here for a long period of time and, and I guess, us ask those questions and make it really tough for them. Um, and if, like I said, if we evolve in, in their partnerships like we've done and, and pride ourselves on doing here, um, hopefully, we can turn the pressure around. Um, uh, Neil, I know I'm not supposed to ask you this, but um, any any tips for the youngsters I mean, to play in New Zealand or you think they were, they were doing well out there today? Uh, this is what the blueprint should be. Well, I thought they played really well. I thought they showed a lot of patience. Um, when the ball was there to score, they scored. Um, and when there's anything where we look like trying to get them out or obviously get a wicket or create, I guess, opportunity, um, they left well and defended well. They were strong in defence. Um, which made us having to come back and bowl more and more. So I thought they played really well. Um, Like I said, I think with the ball, we weren't really, I guess, um, on as we normally are, which is understandable. It's our first game back at home for quite some time now, especially coming from India. Uh, A lot of white ball cricket, T20 cricket, all those sort of things, and and coming out of isolation um, over this period. It's the first head out. So for us, it's just we sort of didn't string enough balls together I guess, uh, as a group and, and bowling partnerships. And, it's, you know, it was tough graft out there. It was tough test cricket. Um, and the wicket changed quite a lot, obviously. So for us, it's just to, to regroup. Um, I guess uh, we'll, we'll sit down together and talk uh, tomorrow about how we're going to, obviously, I guess, bowl and what we're going to try and achieve and how we want to do it. But it's just we're going to have to be more patient, I guess, and, and ask those long questions for long periods of time and, and put it on to them.
1: Neil Wagner talking in the Zoom press conference to journalists after the second day, second day of play, uh, the Bay Oval Test. Currently the score, they've sort of held the Bangladeshi team quite well this morning. They've taken a wicket, that was of Hassan Joy, that was Wagner's third for 78, caught Nichols, bowled Wagner and they're just sort of puttering along you might say. Uh, they're one ninety five for three. That's one ninety five for three. We still are working on uh, Wanaka Friesky and Ben Harrington, just having a few comms problems, but that's okay. We'll sort it out. Uh, just worth noting, JD, that only two Black Caps are in the Crick Info Writers uh, Teams of the Year. Uh, one, uh, the they, this is in the respected website of Test One Day Internationals and T Twenty. So, Cole Jameson turned up in the team for Test and Glenn Phillips. For T20 now, Jameson took twenty-seven wickets at seventeen point five one in twenty twenty-one. He was the key guy in the World Test Championship one run. And Phillips scored a wow, a thousand and four hundred and twenty-eight, fourteen hundred twenty-eight T20 runs in the calendar year. An impressive strike rate of one hundred forty-six. That's that's worthy, isn't it?
2: Absolutely, absolutely worthy Stephen And what else is worthy is that we've made it through to Ben Harrington Which is fantastic Because he is in Calgary, Alberta, Canada And he has just come up with the best result of his career Just 20 years old Does this free ski halfpipe Stephen As you yep. well know, like our mate Nico Porteous does yep. And he's on the line now
1: Hello Ben, how are you mate?
9: Hi there, how are we doing guys?
1: Yeah, uh, mate, you, you you sound pretty pumped Congratulations, best result of a halfpipe World Cup Seventh, He must be stoked
9: Thank you very much. Yeah, that was that was huge for me last night. Come seventh amongst those amazing skiers was pretty epic.
1: What were the conditions like, buddy?
9: Uh, it was pretty windy, I have to say. But growing up at Kadrona, I'm used to the wind. I could handle it good.
1: Were you uh, Now, look, I need to understand something. Are you still trying to qualify for Beijing?
9: Uh, yes. I haven't been selected to the team yet. Yeah. But... After this result it definitely puts me in a good spot to So keep
1: going. what what do you need to do to try to make the team?
9: I just need to keep landing. I've only I've got one more I've got one more qualifying event after this and I just got to ski the way I've been skiing and keep being consistent and hopefully that'll put me on the team.
1: Sometimes when things happen they happen for a reason. Why do you think last night it came together for you?
9: Uh, I think Last Night came together for me because the day before, I uh, didn't ski my best. I could have skied a bit better, and I was outside of finals, and I really, really, I'd missed finals the past three events by, like, one or two spots. Mm -hmm. So I was really ready to make a finals, and I was really, like, amped and ready to go. And I came into yesterday, and I was like, you know what? I'm not even going to focus about making finals. I just want to ski the best that I can and land the run that I'm doing. And it all came together.
1: What did you, what did you land?
9: Uh, I did a left up 12 mute to a right cork 9 tail, left cork 9 tail, alley-oop flat spin 360 bow into a uh, switch 9. Jab.
5: Yep, got me. I know con- you probably don't know.
1: But- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sounded. I tell you what, sounded impressive though. <laughs> yeah, sounds but- like a
5: different language.
1: What hey, uh, it, well, it is, but that's okay. When I'm looking forward to uh, the, the the Beijing Winter Olympics. Uh, have you got anything up up your sleeve? Have you got something different that you want to try to try and push for that team?
9: Yeah, I've got. I I had some other tricks in the bag that I wanted to do, but uh, just with the wind and the pipe condition yesterday, I just wanted to play it a little safer and just make sure i was still healthy at the end of the day
1: well wind is probably your your enemy right it's so dangerous when you when you're throwing yourself through the pipe
9: yeah it's definitely not easy especially in the half pipe where the room for error is so small like if you if you pop a little too hard you're landing on the flat bottom or if you don't pop enough you're up on the deck so it's it's definitely challenging
1: is this your first full year of wanting to try to qualify for the games
9: um, I did the I did a World Cup and the the two qualifying events last year, so I've had these two that have been trying to get me to the games this this season and the past one.
1: Are you, are you part of the traveling roadshow with our Olympians like Nico and Zoe and the crew?
9: Yeah, yeah, I get to travel with those guys. It's, it's pretty fun. We have a good. Good crew.
1: What does uh, Nico wouldn't tell us um, when we spoke to him before Christmas about? It. He's got some some special trick up his sleeve. Do you have any idea what he's what he's going to throw out? I mean, you can't. Yeah, I know if you know, you can't tell us. But is he has he got something uh, pretty wicked to throw?
9: Oh, he's he's definitely got big things planned. I that I know that for sure.
1: How important is it for you trying to make the Olympics and being on the road with these guys and pushing yourself to to reach those levels?
9: Yeah, uh, it's huge for me, especially getting to ski with Nico. Like I've been skiing with him since I was ten years old, and he's a good buddy of mine. And it's really good because even though he's same age as me, he still pushes me like crazy. And I like, I like, yeah, it's really fun to be able to ride with him.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've always wondered, you know. So you've, you, you, okay, so you've been together for, you know, skiing since ten, uh, because he's at a, at a different level at this particular point in time, right? is it a matter of just landing a couple and suddenly you're there as well?
9: Uh it's a matter of landing a couple of runs and just getting new tricks as well. I've I've had a run that I've been working towards and I'm starting to get put that run I put that run together at Copper and Grand Prix. Mm-hmm. So I want to be able to keep doing that and then once the season's over I got some other tricks I want to put into my run that will hopefully get me up to that level Nico's at.
1: How important is it for you to make the Olympics?
9: Uh, it's huge for me. It's definitely, definitely been a goal of mine for a very, very long time. Even watching him win a medal at the last one really inspired me.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I spoke to Nick and he, and he said, yeah, it seems like yesterday that he did it. And we talked about physically being prepared to do what you have to do. How much extra work are you doing to try and get to the point of qualifying?
9: I'm doing a bunch, so... Every day, well, a lot of days after skiing, I'll be either in the gym or on the trampoline. Just the gym to keep myself strong and fit, and trampoline to get my air awareness and do the tricks that I want to do in the pipe. Just on the
1: tramp. The rock stars are obviously around as well. So, do you model yourself on anyone else to try and, you know, produce what they might do?
9: Like any any skiers I look up to? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I really like a really like guy, Hunter Hess, at the moment. I think he's got a great mentality towards skiing. He works super hard. And I just really like his skiing. And, of course, Nico, I love skiing with him. Miguel, as well. Yeah, everyone. Brendan McKay, who won the past two World Cups, is a huge inspiration to me as well.
1: So what's, what's the next step now on, on the potential road to Beijing for you?
9: So I leave to Mammoth, California tomorrow. Uh, there we've got the final World Cup. And then after that, I should know if I've got my spot.
1: So, OK, so you—you you, I saw you got quite a few Grand Prix points out of this. Are there a, cer- a certain number of points you need to jag the spot?
9: Uh, I just need to be in the top 24, I believe it is.
1: Wow, that sounds more than achievable. You must be, you must be fizzing right now.
9: Yeah, I've, I've... The last night definitely
1: helped me out a bunch. Oh, well, mate, we're, we're really happy for you. I mean, it would be nice to have another member there in the, be- the Beijing Winter Olympic team. Congratulations on your best placing, and, and make sure it's not the last.
9: Yes, absolutely. I will for sure. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah, you're welcome, Ben. Ben Harrington out of Calgary, uh, where he finished in his best uh, free ski halfpipe World Cup in seventh position. But as you have heard him say, the most important thing here, JD, is he needs just to finish in the top 24. And that's, It sounds achievable, right? But anything can go in, the, in this this competition. It's, you know, it's, it's a micron's difference.
2: Oh, exactly. And I know he rattled off those four tricks that he does <laughs> in the halfpipe. And we both just looked at each other in a panicked state going... Actually, you're fibbing because you were going, oh, yeah. No, I was I trying that. to say, like, oh, I know I what a corkscrew one. is and I know what a nine <laughs> is, like a, going 900 degrees, yes. that's twi- two and a half times around. So it's putting together those four tricks. But when you hear Nico's doing, like, 1680s back to back, which yeah. is spinning around four times. Oh, it's
1: interesting talking to Nico, which we have done, and now listening to Ben, and he knows – Nico's got something special. Like he's holding back, and it'll be really interesting to to see. And what I love about these 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 kids, and they are kids, man, yeah. is they're they're fearless. Yep, and they 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 take this incredibly joyful attitude into what they do. Now, maybe it's that's because the sport is like that; it's very laid back, yep. very cruisy. But they push themselves so hard to 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 be the best. Exactly. And, and, and when Nico was telling talking to us about the fact, you know, he's got uh, practice. Um, landings you know they've got all these foam rubber and things so they can do stuff back at Wanaka and, and Kadrona or whatever that wherever they yeah Kadrona to make them better they almost defy physics at times don't they
2: absolutely they get hang time it's like you know like when you watch Michael Jordan back in the day and just like flew through the year and had that extra time in the year that's what Nico's definitely got I haven't watched a lot of Ben no, I will be. Um, he just missed out. the Mountain Dew Tour, the Dew yeah, Tour. that Which
1: is invite only, yeah. Nico
2: went to and finished second. Uh, ben was 11th, and the top 10 went through to the final. So Ben is right there. Oh, He's okay. right on the cusp.
1: So that's good. And what did he say? He has to finish in the top 24, and he could be off to the Beijing Winter Olympics, which you can see live on Sky Sport And, and Prime. it's just
2: what amazes me about these kids, like if we say kids again, 20-year-olds, oh, 19-year-olds, is that... There's a lot of money getting poured into our winter sports now. so the pressure's starting to come on and they work damn hard too. So well they have a that's just a continual winter. It's that fine mix of yeah cool, everything's cool and rad and you know I'm doing sick tricks all the time, but at the end of the day there's a lot of pressure on these guys to perform. Funding wise, and in terms of their sponsorship and deals. So, while it may seem like they're having fun and having a blast oh, yeah. up the mountain and doing, you know, just taking it easy, they're not.
1: And it's not a big team. I think it's only four or five in the team. We're going to be talking hopefully tomorrow, because tomorrow it's a month from the opening ceremony at Beijing, uh, to Margo Hackett, who is the daughter of AJ Hackett, another free skier, going to her first Olympics. So, we're hoping to talk to her tomorrow uh, as it celebrates one month at the start of the game. So, yeah. it just comes around. It's, it almost feels normal. Yeah. It, it almost feels normal. We're back to normal. but Is
2: it going to go ahead? Oh, I, I saw see, some headlines like that uh, again a month out, just saying, you know. Oh, man, I don't know. Anyway, oh. we, we don't talk about that. No, let's that not talk here, about
0: that.
1: We? It's 12.21 on SENZ Summer Days.
0: Summer Days on SENZ. It's Kiwi for Sport.
8: Jack Lynx makes you think irresistible flavour to satisfy your hunger.
1: Yes, Jack's Links makes you think, thanks to the all-new maple and brown sugar ham jerky. I was thinking about this today walking in and I was talking to John and, and Brian upstairs uh, and it's got nothing to do with sport, it's got everything to do with you and I as being safe on the road and how ridiculous it seems to be over another summer period that we are in double-digit figures for road or the road death. Toll, and it, and I, I struggle to understand it. I struggle to understand why people feel the need to go and rush anywhere. Um, I I, do, I chat a lot with my good friend Greg Murphy, uh, my partner on Race Control about this because he's a huge advocate for road safety, and he he is struggling with uh, reasons uh, of being given for it. It's not always about speed, but it seems to be the the open. The open excuse from uh, the government—that's always about speed. It's not about speed; it's about actually being aware of the situation around you, and that's the most important thing. So, when you're out there today and you're heading out of the road, just you know, take your time. Don't there is there is zero need to go out there and rush to where you need to be. If it takes you twenty minutes longer, so be it. Steer well clear of the idiots, you know, the, the the guys and gals that are up on your bumper saying "get out of the road. Just pull over quietly, just drift over and indicate and do the do the right things, and and, and just be sensible out there and I mean you know there's always those things out the road you know uh, know the rules and, and take care and, and just drive to the conditions well you've got to know how to drive to the conditions you know if you are unsure about what your car and if you're towing a trailer or anything can do then just just Notch the speed back a little bit. There is no need to be racing with a trailer, caravan, jet ski, boat, or whatever. Just button it back, uh, particularly when it comes into wet situations. Make sure that we, before you're going out, that you've got your, 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 your um, Windshield wipers and the the, the filler full of all that's goop in it. So make sure that everything's working properly, and particularly your 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 headlights as well. Just do those simple checks because we're still in the middle of summer. We're still in the middle of the holidays, and you know we all want you to come home and do the right thing. So uh, there is zero need to rush that's 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 what I'm saying here we don't need more New Zealanders uh, adding to the road toll it's just sitting at around 14 right now which is just 14 too many we keep saying it but no one keeps listening so just take it easy out there today to, you know put some nice music on have a chat just sit back and if, and, and most importantly if you are tired pull over uh, I've, I've done that a couple of times I've been you know driven when I'm probably a little bit too tired I've just pulled over taken a 520 minute you know power nap just get yourself sorted and then go on because uh, you know you want to get to your loved ones you want to have a good holiday so make sure that you do it and that was my little Jack's Lynx makes you think. Thanks to the all-new ham jerky with hickory smoke and a dash of maple and brown sugar, they've gone the whole hog. Yeah, I know that was a that little... That
2: sounded just like the ad. <laughs> Have you been moonlighting on the... doing the Jack Lynx ads? No, I haven't, but the that's other very thing very good.
1: The other thing that's making me think is the fact that the Arizona Cardinals are leading my Dallas Cowboys at the moment, 19-7, and they're twenty four in the third quarter, and I'm not happy about that. All I'm happy about is the fact that the Cowboys are actually... Uh, in the playoffs and the Cardinals have grabbed a wild card already so I'm just a little disappointed about that at the moment I'm struggling that's what's making me think more about that but it is what it is coming up shortly after uh, Johnny Macker has uh, wandered in after her. actually look I tell you say Johnny you put Johnny's mic on you look pretty fresh for someone who's uh, off, off um, New Year's did you have a quiet one?
7: I did actually. Yeah. Yeah. I had big plans but I they didn't (laughs) they didn't eventually can I ask what the
1: big plans were? Well I was just
7: gonna, you know, go go to my local and uh, have a couple of quiets and just you know see in the new year and I I I got tired. Must be age creeping up I think. Oh my goodness. Yeah, Yeah, I I (laughs) I was in bed by eleven thirty, I think I was. I sleep right through it. (laughs) Not the first time that's happened, but
1: no, no. join the club bell. (laughs)
5: Yeah.
1: All right, news time, it's half past twelve. Time to keep our groove on with fight sports, but this one is uh, genuine legend. Mark Hunt, the super Samoan, has a movie coming out in 2022 called "The Fight of His Life." It's a docu movie about his life, and Mark joins us right now from Sydney. Morning to you, buddy. Good morning. How are you doing, David? Man, I am good. I, I saw the trailer of this, and I instantly said to my friends, "I gotta watch this." It just looks like it is. It's not. It's not raw. It's just real. Yeah, that's real. Yeah, it's pretty real. <laughs>
6: <laughs>
1: Sorry, <just mucking> around. <laughs> so okay, let's let's talk about you. Oh, the one thing I want to ask you about it because I want to take take a step back. Did you were you were you the the sort of kid that got into trouble and had fights on the streets and then and discovered a way that you could make a living out of this, or did someone point you in that direction, saying, "Mate, you're better than this. You could make a life out of this."
4: Yeah, back then there was no uh, uh, there was uh, wasn't a path that I thought I'd be taking uh, fighting. To be honest, it was just something that happened. Uh, outside a club and someone put me in the right direction. It, it, it wasn't uh, something I wanted to do for my life. I didn't want to be a fighter, to be honest. <laughs> and that's the bottom, the truth about it. I never wanted to be a fighter. I think uh, the only one fighting back then in the world stage was the, the tour man in boxing. So, you know, um, love you, son. For, for me, being, uh, taking the part of fighting was only uh, kickboxing in K1, to be honest. Um, and, um,
6: yeah, that's about it. There was no MMA back then. Um, when, yeah. when, when, when did the whole
1: K1 thing explode for you? Because I remember for me, you first came to light when you you won this $1 million prize, but you'd already been a big deal in the Japan already, right?
4: No, actually, I did. I uh, won the K1 in Japan in my second, except my first time doing it. Uh, there was only Ray Sheffield kicking around those days, then um, Jason Sadi, all the, all the uh, Ron Sheffield, you know, uh, mm. Jason, all those guys were kicking it in Japan at the time. Um, I think Ray was the biggest name out there, and um, I was just coming on too. What was that
1: Japanese yeah. experience like? It was
4: definitely, like I said, I went from fighting in 1,300-room uh, places to 40,000-seaters, uh, 80,000-seater uh, stadiums, to be honest. Uh, you know, they treated you like a celebrity, like a movie star. It was, it was quite crazy to be. It was surreal. Um, you know, going from an, living just a normal life even here to, to being someone over there. So it was quite, uh, it was different. What was
1: it? Was it tough, I mean, to, to mentally adjust to suddenly going from the streets of South Auckland to uh, mega stadiums in Japan and suddenly you are the man?
4: Yeah, correct. It was hard. Because the thing was, I you know, no one knew my back end story, no one knew my life. I didn't really want to air my dirty laundry out in public, to be honest. But um, and here I am, uh, you know, getting asked all these questions about you know this and that and what I like to eat, and I'm pretty just didn't know, you know I was I'm like a one person, uh, one word kind of person, and yes and no, and you know <laughs> I think uh, that's what I intrigued the Japanese are out there, they thought I was intriguing, to be honest. So I didn't really uh, wasn't well versed in speaking in, uh, on shows and and PR uh, and stuff like that, so. The
1: the, the, you, you were known for the walk sort of the, the walkaway knockdown. Was that something? Was that was that street? Was that street fighting coming to play? No, yeah,
4: that was just a high level of skill. Let me, Baba. <laughs> <laughs> two Baba, <laughs> two Baba. That, 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 that was just a fighting experience, to be honest. <laughs> the
1: the K one experience and that style of fighting. When did you then discover MMA, the UFC? When did you go? Hang on a minute. This is. something... Something else I could excel at.
4: Well, Lee, I I won the K one in my first attempt the world title, and it was kind of crazy. I went uh, to a difficult stage afterwards, you know, being uh, ripped off by different people, I and mean, then you know I was out during the war while I was fighting K one. You know, I I'd a gone into Cheetah. It was uh, and I thought I was talking about Dragon Ball Z because you know I was uh, <laughs> I was a big Dragon Ball Z fan and that was he was actually a fighter an MMA fighter I was like what's this kind of a sport so, uh, the money they were offering was you know really good um, you know it was two hundred fifty thousand US per event um, and um, that was back then that was two thousand and um, it was actually 2000, uh, 2002 I think it was or three and um, yeah I was like wow I- I'll try it out and um, that's when I first saw it I, I saw it, uh, you know the Gracies um, doing MMA and um, basically I-, I fell in love with the sport because it was a different Challenge was uh, you know um, there was something new that it, that, that uh, was like really good because I thought I was a, a great fighter until I you know I went onto the ground when I met Steve Oliver and uh, he told me a different
6: thing about uh, MMA. <laughs> yeah, I was about yeah, to say the the, yeah. the
1: the adjustment to Sorry. the to jiu-jitsu side was that the biggest the biggest hurdle to cross. Yeah, it was you know being a,
4: a great stand-up fighter competitor to you know being schooled by Steve Oliver and, you know it was only like ninety kilograms and I'm like you know I went for the first training session because <laughs> uh, I was saying oh, we'll pay to go train in fast Surruton in uh, California. And I'm like, no, nah, I'll just keep the money and go train in New Zealand. And, uh, and I went Steve and met um to a couple of friends of mine, Brendan, and, and uh, he was wrestling and doing some jujitsu in, in uh, Henderson there. And, and I was like, you know, he was doing some, doing some stuff and I said, you know, just stand up. And he goes to me, you know, you come and stand up. And for the next six weeks, he started, you know, he was guiding me to the days. <laughs> you
1: know? yeah. How How hard was that mentally to readjust? Because you'd been fighting, you know how to take a punch, but then everyone then starts coming grappling in you gun. going, I just want to punch him. How, how difficult is that for a fighter to adjust?
4: It's very frustrating, especially being someone that, you know, wants to enforce physically, you know, by hitting someone uh, with, with, with striking stuff and you can't physically do that because, you know, they're, they're constricting you as an MMA, as a jiu-jitsu player or a wrestler. It's, it's really frustrating. You've just got to find different ways about it. Um, you know, I practice most of the time on the ground, uh, learning defences, to be honest, you know, with my first coaches of a uh, uh, Jiu Jitsu, Marcelo and Steve And um, it was basically just uh, Defending um, takedowns and defending uh, Submissions.
1: You've been a big voice Against anti-doping. When did it First come to, to light to you That you were fighting guys that were juiced?
4: Well it wasn't just the guys, you know, I mean I, I first spoke about it when I went to Japan, I'm like, uh, I said to You know, was a whole walk in the boardroom full of Japanese guys and they're all wearing suits And I'm like, you know, negotiating a deal For a contract and they're like, um and I One of my first questions was, what about these uh, these derogies and cheaters and these dopers and they're like and a whole lot of them just started cracking up I'm like bro what what, what is what is lying about and that's when I, I started realizing. realize fight sports to be honest but the actual being pissed off about it was when I started competing against guys in the UFC because uh, every, it was like the, I think the second or third guy in a row that I got to facing that um, that nothing was done about it it just became a no contest and you lost out all the time I mean I I broke my hand on Bigfoot's head um, in, a, in a fight in Brisbane and there was nothing done about it I mean I the whole year and this, this this guy comes and competes before I do. It's, it's got to be something else done about this sort of garbage because, um, and, you know, nothing was done about it. And then, you know, then it gets into the UFC phase about the whole scenario. And then, you know, and then the lawsuit comes and... At the end of the day, what I was trying to do was get an even playing field. I didn't premeditate of yeah. uh, wanting to sue the company that I was working for. I wanted to get an even playing field. It was never fair these days. And people say, oh, um, they just don't know. Competing at the highest level It doesn't become about uh, uh, being the best fighter in the world. It becomes about the best cheater and the best, and the company
1: uh, covering their cheats. Do you think it's still yeah. going on? Do you think it's still going on in the UFC? Well,
4: I know. The companies that just as corrupt as, as the people uh, you know, behind. I'm the whole thing the, you know, the, the, the shitty pay they pay their fighters The, the 60% It's a joke You know you see the fighters You know you know Good job to You know the Kai and Bam and all those For winning their events But it's sad to see them You know Jumping for joy When they win $50,000 You know For someone as high as they are In the, in the world You should be That should be a, a given Not jumping up a joy Oh this is going to change my life Dude that, that's how bad These guys are paying these guys They're getting cheated
1: So where does the, Can I ask without, without a doubt Can I ask is the, is the lawsuit still active Or have you just gone I just I, I can't afford this Because it's just going to b- Make me broke
4: Well it doesn't work like that I mean I, if I knew That I was going to be In a lawsuit for six years uh, I wouldn't have probably changed it All I did was do the right thing I said this isn't right I've got to do something about it I've asked the companies To do something about it For however long And how many fights I've had i said look man Can you do something about this Can I have a clause in my contract You know And, and all I got was, 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 a, was a wall Saying no nah, no, nah, nah, bro, you ain't gonna get nowhere to me. Because after I declined one of the guys who was on steroids, I said, no, nah, he's been known to cheat. He got caught, I don't want to do it. Put a clause in my contract, and um, and then and then I'll go out here with the fight. Because I'll fight anyone if, if, I, if these guys are known cheaters. And then they said, no, we can't, okay? So three days later, Josh, man, they pops for steroids. And I'm started laughing, and goes, well, oh, that's what you get. You guys are trying to put me on the guys that are cheating, and, and you know you're not giving me a, a, a chance to make it even playing field. So then afterwards, you know, they give me a guy named Alistair Oakman. I. I said, nah, man, I don't want to fight that guy. He's a stalwart cheater. Putting the cause in my contract, so I don't have to go for the same issue of of, uh, of this this fight. The guy, the the, the, guy, the cheater, still gets still benefits. And they said, no, we can't do that. We can't put a clause in your contract to make it even. Um, so, and, I, and then the next thing I said, I wanna do it. And they said, the next thing they said was a letter from their lawyer said, if you don't, if you do to take this fight, we're going to sack you. I'm like, wow, you guys, and that idiot, they you know, white right, says, oh, you're not forced to the fight. Dude, you're the worst fire on the planet. Oh, well, so, so uh,
1: Head yeah. Monkey. Okay. So, that, so it's it's still, it's still sort of quietly ongoing. Let's just quit, briefly talk about the fact that someone's decided that you are worthy of having a movie made about your life because the story from you know it's it's an incredible story. Uh, we, what, when they first approached you, what was your reaction, or or did you push this production? Well,
3: the, the truth is,
4: I didn't want to. I mean, I read a book. Well, I didn't actually write the book, but uh, you know, to me, what got me about it was the publisher and for the books. You know, keep talk me, then she goes, Mark, you can help other people. It's not about money. And I said, ooh, that's a pretty great idea. You can help others. And that's why I did, that's why I said yes to the book. This is pretty much similar. to the same thing. The doctor was pretty much to help others. It was, uh, for this one, the, you know, I think Netflix approached, but then I said, no, um the private company price they were paying, so I said, yeah. So to help others with their journey in life, I think it's great. You know, my path was fighting, and uh and I didn't want to be a fighter to go So now, here I am again fighting in the hospital or the ring, but I'm Fighting in the court, not just one lawsuit, but a, 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 and a different one also. You know, one against errors and the other one against uh, a
6: fair pay, uh fair pay, because you know the MMA fighters, you see, they only get 60% of the revenue, which is which is garbage. <laughs>
1: Can I, can I be brutally honest here? Yes, sir. Have you made enough money to be comfortable in your life after all of these years? Well,
4: you know, the truth is no. I've been fighting for a long time. I've made a lot of mistakes. I've made a shitload of mistakes at the end of the day. But um, uh, at the end of that, I'm still fighting. I'm still grinding like everyone else at the end of the day. So um, the truth is no.
1: But you, sound, but you sound in a funny old way happy. You're a lovely family. You've got kids. And you sound like you, you know where your, your role is in this world.
4: Well, the truth is, uh, for me, like I, I always say to people, all the children and God are gods. I mean, like, tomorrow's never promised, and doesn't matter how much money you have in the bank or whatever, you could get run over tomorrow. You can get shot tomorrow, you know. It doesn't matter at the end of the day. I mean, you can't take any...
1: There's no you all that's behind a hearse, brother. <laughs> yeah, fair play on that one. One final thought. Uh, what do you want your kids to think about you? What do they want to... Th- when someone says, what's your dad like, what do you want them to say?
4: Well, I mean... Well whatever, they're probably gonna say some, some funny shit about their dad but uh, <laughs> I mean what their, their dad tells us their dad is been a fight through and through, you know, from the start to the end. He's that, always fought for something better. you know he's always had a, a cause to fight
1: for. Yeah. No. Yeah, that's 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 cool, man. Hey Mark, thanks so much for giving me your time today. When does the movie come out? Is it next year? I think it's um the third of February to be honest. Third of Feb. Looking forward to seeing it, mate. Congratulations. Yes, yes. And uh keep fighting, so man. Up, I will buddy, keep fighting. Up. He called me Steve O. I'm not gonna call him. Out. There is no way I'm calling Mark Hunt out for calling me Steve O. Mark Hunt, the super Samoan. (laughs) And that was from uh, earlier on before Christmas. And it is, he just has just tweeted that it is a month till the movie The Fight of His Life comes out. So it is today's the 3rd of January. It's out on the 3rd of Feb. Uh, But it hasn't gone well since then because he's been ordered to pay. More than $567,000 in New Zealand money in legal fees and costs to the UFC. A Nevada court judgment dated March the 25th, 2021 has just been published. And it's just another barrier in his ongoing doping lawsuit. He filed the suit against the UFC after losing his 2016 fight with Brock Lesnar at UFC 200. The fight was later ruled a no contest, and after Lesnar received exemptions from standard USADA testing protocol to compete at the event, he was found to have tested positive for, yes, you guessed it, performance-enhancing drugs before the bout. Hunt conceded that the UFC may seek attorney's fees and costs for defending itself, but argued the decision to seek costs should be delayed due to his ongoing appeal. A judge disagreed, writing in a just-released decision. I find that the efficient disposition of this matter is best served by my resolution of UFC's fee motion. So I deny Hunt's request to defer the ruling on UFC's motion until after the appeal. So he's up against it yet again, and he's also gone out on on Instagram and said, yeah, I'll put Dana White and the two other guys involved in the UFC. Go five rounds with me. If you lose, you pay. If I lose, I'll pay. So he continues to battle for the right. And, and so there's got to be something in it, right? There's got to be something going on, particularly when uh, that Lesnar gets away with what he, what he did. Hard life, but a really, really interesting character and good character to have a chat with. 12.46 on SENZ Summer Days. Summer Days
0: on SENZ. It's Kiwi for Sport
1: twelve fifty one arizona cardinals twenty two seven and they're fifty just at the start of the fourth quarter i'm not happy about that they're playing at dallas twenty two seven and dallas have got the ball they're what are they Fourth and one. That's not so bad. Need to get back back into gear. Uh, at the Bay Oval in the first test between New Zealand and Bangladesh, uh, just a little bit of an update. Uh, Trent Bolt's taken a wicket. That of Mushfika Raymond, a bowled him for 12. He was in there for 50, face 53 balls. So currently, Bangladesh are 210 for four. Uh, Shalom Islam, was uh, 22. He was caught and bowled Wagner yesterday. And then... Najmul Hossein Shanto, 64 yesterday. He was caught young, bold Wagner. Uh, then Wagner got to the youngster, the 21, 21 year old Mahmudul Hassan Joy, this morning early. Uh, caught Nicholas Bold Wagner for 78. Uh, so currently in there is Mumunul Haq, the skipper, on 16. He's faced 93 balls. And uh, Listen to us is in there as well. He's faced 10. He has three runs on the board. So there. You get the impression, John, don't you, that the Black Caps are just applying the screws a little bit. That run rate is pretty slow. It's at 2.3 and over. So they're doing the job, and they're just trying to grind them down at 210 for 4, right?
2: Yeah, apart from Shanto, who was going at a strike rate of 58, which is very good in Test cricket. Everyone else is battling, and you're right, pointing out the captain, Mominal Hark, battling away with a strike rate of 17 so survival mode already on the morning of day three for Bangladesh I don't think that's going to work Stephen I don't think it's going <laughs> to yeah, work but uh, at the same time they're only four down and they're still in the game and the pace attack is working on that turning wicket <laughs> or is it? Or is it? What, how many would AJs have right now if oh, he was playing? Oh, here we go again.
1: Here we go Broken again. Broken record. Broken record. You, you're got to come back and just haven't taken that record off. It's 12.53. This is SENZ Summer Days.
0: Summer Days on SENZ. It's Kiwi for Sport.
1: 12.58. It'll be lunch pretty soon at the Bay Oval on the third day of the first test between the Black Caps and Bangladesh just a quick update on the score if you were just uh, tuning up at the moment. 218 for four the last wicket to fall was that of Rahman, uh for 12 or 53 uh, bowled by Trent Bolt so the the pacemen doing their jobs it's just there's only four wickets down and the the run rate has, s- has slowed considerably so in a funny way they are strangling them but, you know I was just thinking listening to that trailer about um, King Richard you know Uh, the Williams, Richard Williams, and I'm I'm quite excited about that because Will Smith has this ability to to take on a character and and Show us really what it is, and you think about the Australian Open coming up, John. No Williams, no neither yeah. Williams system.
2: Serena was out in what Venus pulled and out v- yesterday. Venus pulled
1: the pin, I think, yesterday, which was you know, for that'll be the first time for almost forever. and
2: it a was a decade or so, yeah. yeah we, we, we're at talk, least. we were
1: talking to Brett Phillips this morning about how he, he's really not looking forward to that period when there'll be no more Roger because he's a huge Roger Federer fan, and he's obviously out for a while. If not, we don't know. Uh, Rafa has turned up uh, to everybody's surprise which is good and he doesn't think uh, Novak Djokovic will make it he thinks he will not get his exemption, quote medical yeah. exemption so it could be a, 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 it's, it's it's a shame right because I grew up in the era as I said to you before my hero was Bjorn Borg and there was the Bjorn Borg and John McEnroe era and those and but we've been treated for the last gosh yeah what 20 years it would be 20 years it's been years. amazing
2: but it's not just tennis either. like we've seen some of the goats of sport over the last 20 haven't, haven't years we've we been and it's just like what is the next 20 years? Are there going to be another Tiger Woods? Is there going to be another Michael Schumacher? Yeah, Are there going to be Federer's I'm and so Serena's? Sure,
1: I'm not so sure about mm. that. I'm. Others will disagree with me. Uh, who's your all-time sporting goat? Uh, 0800 Who's your all-time sporting goat? 0800 150811. That's 0800 five811 on SENZ Summer days.
0: days. On SENZ, it's Kiwi for Sport.
1: Three minutes past one, this is the 3rd of January 2022. Just the lunchtime update from the Bay Oval. 2.20 for four, that's 2.20 for four. Trent Bolton, uh, Neil Wagner with the one wicket apiece this morning. But 2.20 for four, uh, Bangladesh in their first innings. Well, it's a big old time in Christchurch in the moment because it's the Somerset National Bowls Championships and it is a long haul. Now, the, the guru, the guru of... Bowles commentary joins us right now, and he knows it back to front, and has done for many years. Kevin Hickland, hello, Hickers, happy New Year! Yeah, guys,
4: Steve, happy New Year to you, and thank you for those very kind words. Oh, oh come on,
1: come on, you, you're not going to say I'm, you're not the guru. <laughs> um, well,
4: I suppose, well, I well I suppose I can say I've been around a long time. That's yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah, that's that's
1: that's not a way, bad way to look at it. Uh, what's the so? How many clubs are hosting the nationals at the moment in Christchurch?
4: Well, at the moment, the, with the uh, men's singles being played, you know, playing the, the six rounds. Of course, this is day two, and the same with the women's pairs. You know, there's a total of about eighteen clubs around the, the, the Christchurch area have been used. The number, obviously, you know, some of the some of the clubs just got one green, some two, uh, and this is a big demand, of course, on the clubs. You know, but catering, markers, you know, all sorts of things. And these um, these first couple of days with the qualifying rounds of both the uh, singles. Uh, and peers you know the, these are the big days, and of course, then at the moment we're playing the uh, men 's peers and women's singles, and they get played right through to the finals, and then we roll it over and we then go for the women's singles uh, women's singles then, and uh, we play the men 's peers. so it, it's a it's a day by day rotating uh, event right through. To uh, to January the ninth. That's so a it's a, of, it's a pretty it's, long stint. And is. I'm doing the commentary. Long. I think from the fifth to the ninth. That's so it's a big stint.
1: It is it is a long haul. How many bowlers do you know flood into Christchurch for the nationals?
4: Oh, you know, out of towners. You know, there's around four about 400 out of out of towners <laughs> that'll be here. Um, you know, from uh, you know around the South Island, the North Island. Uh, they come from everywhere, and of course, this has become even somewhat a very, very important event, although the New Zealand selectors may not say it is, but it actually is because we were to have the Tasman Test in March right. uh, played at Mount Tambourine on the Gold Coast. And that now has now become, and that was literally going to be the last trial uh, for the Commonwealth Games side. Uh, but that now has become uh, a COVID fatality. And uh, at this stage, it's been called off. Now, whether it's going to be played at a date that's still going to give the selectors time to uh, select the New Zealand side, uh, I don't know. So this, so this event becomes exceptionally important for those aspiring New Zealand squad players. And remembering, we've got three of our New Zealand squad who would have been here, uh, those being Ellie Forsyth, Chris Deleed, uh, and Caitlin Lynch. They would have been here playing except for the, the COVID restrictions, etc. cetera. Um, Ali Forsyth and Kate I would assume they're going to be in the Commonwealth Games team. Chris mm-hmm. Leaves knocking at the door um, but of course uh, they've been restricted now. so this event becomes very very important for those uh, th- those players to so put their hands up uh, to New Zealand selectors.
1: So how, how many uh, teams do, what's the makeup of the teams for the Commonwealth games? In, in this sense so of, the sense of we games, pairs weeks, you know four. pairs singles, fours
6: yeah the
4: five men, five women. And uh, you have the rollover, so you'll play say singles and fours, and then me- and then you'll play pairs and triples. So they roll over. You know, your, your team of five, you know, rotates and plays in two disciplines uh, uh, throughout the event. It's interesting. Uh, it got posted to me yesterday. Very interesting, me because there's a big push right now uh, for bowls to be part of the. Uh, Mark Watson, in fact, asked me yesterday on here. Um, there's a big push going on for bowls to be part of the Olympics and and on the Gold Coast. And one of the pushes is uh, the question's been asked is why wouldn't they have a play like mixed peers as an example uh, uh, to make mm. it uh, sort of the right flavor to, yeah, to the more to inclusive the angle of the Olympics? yeah, and you know whether that's on the drawing mean, and actually yeah, Mark Cameron, the CEO of Polish new zealand uh, mark is uh, he's on this committee who's uh, put lodging the uh, application to the Olympic uh, Federation, and it's a question I'm going to pose to Mark when I'm here whether that's that's on their thought pattern that they would go to a a mixed pairs to make it more appetising as an Olympic event.
1: Well, okay, so the question that instantly comes to mind for me, and it's quite a blunt one, do you feel that bowls is an Olympic sport? No. Well, okay, well, that's answered the question,
5: hasn't it?
4: <laughs> well, it's and, and and just the, the reason why I say that, um, really, Steve, there's not a, at all having a crack at the sport in any way at all. But, you know, if we look at how many countries line up in the Olympics and, and how many, mm. um, what, what I would say would be competitive in an Olympics, there's more than likely, say, 12 countries yeah. in, 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 in our sport. And. In the Commonwealth Games, you know, we have twenty odd teams there from r- various countries. Now, some of those countries, no disrespect to them, but they—they're not—they're minnows, so to speak. You know, like Cook Islands, as an example. You know, they—they they play in some of these. You know, well, in saying that, we've got to remember the last Commonwealth Games, and the Cook Islands, Aiden, Ta- the uh, young Aiden Zinnerstein from Taranaki, who defeated Andrew Kelly yesterday. Well, he won a bronze medal, in fact, in the in the piers. Uh, in the Commonwealth Games uh, on the Gold Coast, so you know some of these c- countries uh, have, have got some players. But if you are really, if, if we're comparing, for example, in an, an Olympic environment, yeah. say swimming versus lawn bowls, you, yeah. got, there, we all know that in swimming, there is more than likely forty countries who can win medals.
1: Yeah, and, and so it does it does beg the question: why even bother going down going down that path? I mean, is it is it struggling to survive at a Commonwealth Games level? I mean, I see. Well, I see with know, Con- and- I see with Commonwealth Games now that host countries can now pick and choose what sports they can have in.
4: Yeah, we, we, in fact, I, that's, it's a conversation which is very, very to the forefront right right now with the changes they want to make in in hosting the Commonwealth Games. Because let's face it, when we went to Delhi in 2010, and the man that did it actually just walked through the door here, the Burnside Bowling Club, checked down the Bill Fowley, well, they actually went to Delhi and built the greens and environment for the bowls to be played.
1: So yes, remember it well. At, at,
4: yeah, so you know you, that's that, that's a predicament that you're faced with. So again, if we take you know the Commonwealth, we've got the the you know have got the home nations mm-hmm. and we've got New Zealand, Australia, Fiji, uh, Canada, and um, you know a collection a, a collection of countries, right? Yeah, but not not what I would call of a, a whole strength within the Commonwealth. Before, so I would say it's under threat.
1: Before we get to what's been going on in qualifying, uh, how has COVID affected clubs around the country?
4: Uh, it's been you know the the, the staff, Matt Cameron, and the staff of Bold New Zealand have done a fantastic job um, over the COVID scenario because some of them faced some, certainly some financial challenges. Um, from what I would call their social bowls dollar yep. or their social club environment, as we all know, you know, like in Australia, that the bars and and, and gaming machines are, are, are make up a solid part of uh, club revenue. And, of course, the other thing which has happened as, as well, Stephen, which has been really challenging is the greenkeepers for a long period of time weren't able to do the work on the greens to be able to get them ready for uh, you know, major events, etc. So it, it has been very, very challenging. I think some clubs that are just about, of a less the smaller clubs, uh, their financial sort of stability would be very, very shaky. The larger clubs... Uh, they'll be okay, but it certainly had an adverse effect. But it's interesting, though, in saying that, I was New Zealand last year, one of the few sports had the excellent increase of playing numbers by a 7% increase in actually affiliated and sub-playing members. So their membership went up by 7%. Their playing membership increased by 7%.
1: Well, they're doing something right. Um, Do I I bring in the the age range of the 7% that came up? I mean, oh, it's, absolutely
4: I definitely. think it's a fair question
1: because you and I have talked on many occasions about trying to increase a younger model in there. Are you there? Yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, young. Sorry, sorry. Yeah,
4: well, what's happened, a supporting example, Taylor Bruce, in the New Zealand side, at the Rangitahi Secondary School Bowls, which got which is a casualty of COVID. Um, Taylor has sort of become a, a, a roving ambassador uh, to try and promote um, the, the sport in, this, in in these areas. And now in Auckland, we've got Leif Selby, former world champion, mm. uh, who's been living over in Waikiki, moving to Auckland, uh, and he's taking on a role in Auckland Bowls, and it's certainly going to, again, foster in that younger development. But in fostering in the younger development, um, Stephen, it's got to be handled correctly. You've know, you, you, you you've got young people who are around clubs where there's alcohol and, and yes. gaming machines yep. and all those sorts of things. So, you know, you've got to... So, therefore, the role that Bowler New Zealand plays in making sure that the clubs facilitate an environment for the younger people... Is is the right and healthy one. It's about getting people out in the sunshine and having a game of bowls. And Sport New Zealand as well are very accommodating in that regard as well. And it's certainly a platform that Bowls New Zealand are are working upon. And if I look now at our national squads, you know, in my day, you know, (laughs) as you are, um, oh, with a few exceptions, Peter Ballas was one of course, but, (laughs) you know, most of us were in the 35, 40 age bracket. Well, you know, that's now in the 20s age bracket.
1: Yeah, well, that's that. That that is a good sign. Uh, I ju- I just wonder though, with with COVID, whether it's going to force clubs to do what they have been avoiding. Uh, some, you know, because you know how stubborn committees are, and amalgamate <laughs> yes. because uh, that's well, it's about survival.
4: But well, yeah, but but at the end of the day, Stephen, amalgamation is a plus, not a negative. Yeah, like, and clubs have got to and clubs have just got to put on a new set of glasses, really. And, and not look at what has been history and tradition, but looking at it moving forward. And we've more than likely seen in the last two years uh, more, more amalgamations that we'd seen in the previous 20 years. And uh, that's uh, that's well done by both New Zealand and others who are encouraging, uh, who are out in the field now, talking to clubs and encouraging clubs to look at other other options, you know, and, and becoming a community-based club yeah. that plays bowls, not just a bowling club. But a community-based club with multi-sports or multi-activities where bowls is played at, and it's just a different mindset.
1: Yeah, but I think if the if the Falls New Zealand have got their head screwed on the right way and they're looking towards that, then somewhere along the way you're going to have to force clubs to go down that path for survival. And, and oh, absolutely. And, and it's an important thing too because I'm a great believer that places in this country need community hubs, right? They need they need a sense of belonging. And so, if you have to amalgamate, then so be it. If you can have, if you like, you know the old story, Kevin. If you can take the family down for a, for a meal at the bowling club, have a bit of fun. Kids can run around, do something else. Not necessarily bowls. You know, there might be a a squash court there, a basketball court, or something like that to create a greater community environment.
4: Well, I'll give you a, a situation right now as an example, Stephen. And you'd have driven past it many, many times. The Renuera Bowling Club in Auckland, mm-hmm. right? Now that club used to have and I'll call it in the heydays literally a closed membership in excess of three hundred and fifty plus members. And is sitting on a piece of real estate worth many, many, many millions oh, of yeah. dollars. Its membership now is sitting at around seventy five to eighty. Oh. So what happens? The, the, the idea of which Auckland Bowls want to work towards is that working with the Renewar Bowling Club, that it becomes the headquarters for Bowls in Auckland. We have the high-performance base there and a whole lot of things because that very, very expensive block of land there is going to become just... It's not yeah. going to be a club unless something's
1: done. Yeah, and, and someone's going to come along and make some ridiculous offer and it's going to be too hard for them to turn down. Uh, let's talk about Bowls 3-5. <laughs> Sadly, it was it was uh, another COVID victim. Is Has that been helping reinvigorate people's interest in the game of Bowls?
4: Oh, look, there's no question that Bowls 3-5 has had a massive influence on the increase in membership and full marks to most of the club's right around New Zealand and the centres around New Zealand because they have picked up the Bowls 3-5 concept and play it now as a regular, let's say, after-work event. It's become very competitive. Uh, and they and it's and they have it in a, a business house environment and a club environment and for the new bowler that comes that wants to come along or give the game a go, they can try it and they're not there for a couple of days. You know, you can go there, have a game, be all over an hour and a half, etc. So the bowls three five concept the, and this is the idea of bowls New Zealand is their baby, and in my viewpoint uh, has been has been a winner for the sport in New Zealand.
1: Alrighty, so where are we at? It's qualifying day. Uh, Who's hot, who's not?
4: Well, one shaky player at the moment is the New Zealand uh, squad player and former New Zealand singles player, Andrew Kelly who uh, this morning got beaten by Peter Shane of Carlton. Uh, Peter Shane, of course, a former New Zealand singles winner, and he tipped over Andrew Kelly this morning after Andrew Kelly, of course, yesterday lost to Aidan Zitterstein of the Paratutu Club uh, in New Plymouth. And let you remember, Zitterstein was a bronze medalist at the Commonwealth Games representing Cook Islands uh, on the Gold Coast, so a pretty tidy player. So Andrew Kelly now having two losses, and he now leads his his last uh, two games uh, to qualify to go through into post section play. but I can tell you to date in the men's singles all the big names of defend of, of champions of the past, the likes of Ta- Taylor horn Gary Lawson, Tony Granton, and Mike Galloway, the defending champion uh, he 's got one his way through a player of the past of New Zealand, won a world championship, Andrew Curtin. Uh, he won all, all of his games today and he's, he's qualified to go through for post and uh, as has uh, Raymond, Raymond Martin of Wellington, Hamas Wilson of Burnside and they're playing now their last two rounds to try and get through to get that four out of six while Ashton's qualified. Sean Scott, the Bannockburn man, uh, former New Zealand player, he's won his way through Mary Grassi of Hawks Bay. So there's no really no surprises at this point in time in the men's uh, singles. The women's pairs, the defending champions Val Smith and Lisa Prado. Uh, Val Smith and Lisa Prado, the defending champs, they also won the peers uh, two years prior to that. And a beaten semi finalist in between, uh, the year in between. So they've got a, a fantastic record over the last four years, and they won their way through winning four straight. As did Sarah Scott of the North East Valley, Dale Raina of Wellington, the Boyd sisters, Mandy and Angela Boyd, two of the real
5: stars <laughs> yeah.
4: of the, yeah, one of the real two of the real big names. They've won their way through. As of course Mina Paul from Rotorua, Robin Walker of North Harbour, Sandra Keith, Barbara McGregor. Uh, also, a name that still must need one more game to qualify uh, is that of uh, uh, Selena Goddard and Selena Goddard playing with Amy McElroy. That's uh, uh, Shannon's wife, Amy. Of course, yeah. those two players, Goddard and uh, McElroy, were bronze medalists in the fours in Glasgow in the Commonwealth Games. Amy McElroy is uh, making a bit of a comeback. Shannon's at home looking after the little ones, and uh, Amy is down here playing, and it looks so as though they've just dropped the game, so they need they uh, still need one more to qualify. So at the end of play today, we will have the qualifiers in the men's singles and the women's pairs, and then post-section play will get underway here at Burnside and other greens around uh, Canterbury. Weather's fine, and we'll go right through to the finals, and then, as I say, we'll roll it over and we will have the women's singles and then men's pairs, and that goes right through uh, till January the 9th, and I'll be, uh, you know, I'm will on the ground here now in Christchurch, right through uh, to the finish of the, uh, the Somerset Nationals here in Christchurch.
1: Yes, we'll be giving you a yodel tomorrow about the same time just to give us an update. Uh, the, the Shannon McElroy, uh, because he's not playing, does that affect his qualification chances for the com Games?
4: Well, no, it won't, because you know, the New Zealand select we breathing a big sigh of relief, the current and defending world champion. Of course, Shannon McElroy had made himself unavailable for New Zealand wanted a bit of a break, but uh, had a change of heart and is now available, and I can guarantee you when that day, oh, I can guarantee you, uh, when those names are read out that Shannon McElroy uh, will be in that five-man side. Um, he's playing uh, immediately after the Nationals finish here and uh, the Burnside Piers are played which I'll be also covering with Bowls New Zealand. Uh, Shannon McElroy is playing in that event, uh, and uh, so he's, he's playing a lot of bowls. Don't worry about that. And That's when great. that Commonwealth Games team gets read out, uh, Shannon McIlroy, uh, he'll be in that side for sure.
1: You're a good man, Kevin Hickland. I look forward to talking to you tomorrow to update us on how things are going, who's hot and who's not. Thanks, buddy. Have a lovely day. Thanks, Stephen. Have a great
4: day, mate. All the best. Yeah,
1: mate. Appreciate Bye. it. Uh, 121, that's SENZ Summer Days with Kevin Hickland live from the Somerset National Bowls Championships a lot going on it's interesting I didn't even know Johnny that uh, Shannon had actually initially pulled the pin on wanting to play for New Zealand that's that's news to me so
2: yeah I was yeah around about a year ago I was a journalist a year ago um, and that was a big story uh, like lawn bowls is massive around this time of year especially yeah. and around Easter and everything and Shannon McElroy is the he's a, man he's, and he's a good cat a young young lawn bowler as well like he was mentioning before in the 20s I think he's maybe 33 no, or yeah. something he's, now he's young, he's young but man. he's yeah but he's been winning national titles forever world, world champ, champ yep. you know all, all the rest of it, and just pulled the pin all of a sudden because wow. he was spending too much time away from his family. And you only think, you know, with cricketers or rugby players, like to say it a lot, don't they? Yeah. Uh, but lawn bowlers spending well, well, they, a lot. Yeah, it's long re- days, they're, and they're
1: not remunerated is no. the way that cricketers nor rugby players are. And it's a uh, if to, to to go to the top of that game, you've got to be committed, and it's yeah. all about time. So for oh, a oh, week
2: for like a whole week a at a time. Week, you it's know, not and just if you, go away if you, for the game on Saturday and come back.
1: Summer holidays suddenly become that. alrighty righty, it's uh, one twenty-two.
2: Summer days on SENZ. It's
0: Kiwi for sport.
1: One twenty-seven. it's all on at AT&T Stadium in Dallas. It looks like the Arizona Cardinals are just going to try and run the clock down. Kyla Murray's doing plenty of running their quarterback. It's 25-22 with one fifty-eight left in the fourth. Uh, Dak Prescott was able to get the two-point conversion to get them close. There was a moment there uh, where Edmonds, uh, the wide receiver, dropped the ball and they thought that might have been a turnover, but... Uh, wasn't to be. They said he, Well, well. Uh, anyway, that's what it is. Just a reminder of what's to be happening in week seventeen. If you're following your team, the Bears beat the Giants twenty-nine-three. Pats got up over the Jags too easy, uh, fifty points to ten. The Ravens. This is a big game for the Rams. They got them. The Ravens twenty points to nineteen. The Buccaneers were trailing the Jets for quite some time, but came home twenty-eight twenty-four. And Antonio Brown uh, took his shirt off and is no longer a Buck. Yeah, that was a crazy old day. The Bills still look strong against the Falcons, 29-15 in the final. Cincinnati had a big win against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, 34-31. Uh, the Titans too good for the Dolphins. Dolphins had a chance there. They had a real chance to, this. they, they won their last, I think, seven straight. And there was a, the, the possibility of making a, or getting a wild card, but that looks sunk now. 34-3, they went down. Raiders got the Colts, 23-20. The Eagles, 20. The Washington football team, 16. Chargers got the Bronx, 34-13. 49ers got the win. That's a big win for the 49ers. That keeps them in the hunt. 23-7 over the Houston Texans. And there are 4.38 left to go in the fourth quarter. The Seahawks are all over the Lions, 48-29, as I said. The Cardinals lead the Cowboys 25-22 with 1.58 left in that game. The final today, Saints beat the Panthers 18-10. Still to come to that big game too. Yeah, big game. Packers-Vikings. That's uh, something to look forward to at 2.20 this afternoon. So there is a plenty around the place. Just a little update on the scorecard. Uh, they're at lunch with them. It should be too far. How long is lunch, John, when it comes 40. to 40 minutes? Okay, so they shouldn't be too far away. About 10 minutes to get back on the field of play in the Bay Oval for... The third day of the first test between New Zealand and Bangladesh. Bangladesh currently at 2.20 for four. Two wickets this morning. Bolt bowled Mushvik Rahim for 12. And Hassan Joy was caught. Nichols bowled Wagner for 78. So three wickets to Neil Wagner and the one to Trent Bolt. But they are pretty much strangling them. 93 overs bowled and the run rate sitting at 2.36. It's half
8: past one. Funnily enough, I started playing rugby because I got dropped from the Canterbury Football Team. Um, And my coach um, at the time, her husband, um, was uh, Laurie O'Reilly, the famous Laurie O'Reilly, who and he got me into rugby, and so I was pretty lucky because I was I was an okay netball player, but I found out I was a better rugby player.
1: Yeah, but what was the attraction of rugby? I mean, they're so two two completely different sports.
8: Yeah, uh, like I'd always watch the All bets growing up. You know, getting up at in the early hours of the morning to watch. And I used to go to my auntie's to watch Auntie Monica. So I've always loved rugby, but I I never thought I'd actually get the the shot to play it because it was them at school then, or anywhere else and then found out I could and it's a, it's a game for it's a game for champions, you know you've got to think, it's exciting you get to run with the ball, you get to smash people what's not to be excited about
1: it? <laughs> I love that line you just get to smash people, but what were the you know, you go from, aver- let's say, average netballer in your world, world to rugby player, what were the challenges physically for you? Um, look,
8: that's thing. that was just you used to go down and uh, we, we trained after the boys. So we trained at like eight 8.30 eight at night. We wore the boys jerseys. We played Sunday so we wore the boys jerseys that they played the day before that were still dirty. Um, it was about camaraderie. It was about fun. Um, back then I never went to the gym. Didn't have any money for it. So it was just I was lucky enough to jump in an era where it was what, what did to take up the fort and play.
1: Did you think at the time when you were playing, and I mean it's not that long ago. that there was much respect for women's rugby?
8: Yeah, I think it was. Um, I you know, I was very lucky uh, to play for uh City and for college rifles who were hugely supportive of women's rugby. And Auckland rugby's been supportive as well. I played for them for twenty years and you know, once in today you got on board with women's rugby in the early nineteen nineties. You know, they have done really well and, and it's just gone from strength to strength that support.
1: What's changed stylistically about women's rugby from when you you applying
8: um Hmm, that's a good one Uh, I think, you know, now you're getting more girls who are full-time And you've seen it in the boys' game as well You're just getting a little bit bigger, a bit faster, a bit fitter um, Able to work on the skills a bit more So it's just getting uh, to be an exciting brand of rugby to watch
1: And and most importantly, it's now potentially, at certain parts of the game A career path for young women
8: Yeah, it is Well, we used to be um, in competition with netball and hockey Because it was uh, an Olympic sport and basketball um, for the cream of young athletes, and and now it's a definite pathway with a sevens are I've got to say, awesome, and I was glad to see them get team of the year last year. They just mm. had such a superb year this year, um, and it is a it is a genuine career pathway for girls. Now there's something like I think about fifty to fifty contracts now sometimes.
1: To win one Rugby World Cup is is something to be treasured, but to win four of the four Rugby World Cups that you have. One, what? Which is the best one that comes to mind about just that experience, that whole campaign?
8: Oh, see, that's a tough
1: question. Oh, come on. Um, uh, <laughs> come on. It's what, 16 years well, like, to think I, about?
8: <laughs> I, I played in five, and I think I stayed and played in the next four because we'd lost in the semis in the first um, World Cup I played in, and I, I just not like losing. So I stayed there in '98, I think was the first potential die the World Cup of the and I got to play it with my sister So that made that one really, really mm. special a real special group of girls who played in that World Cup um, 2006 was memorable because of the calibre of the final mm. It was in a super exciting final I'm playing England, And they played really well So I love the 2006 final And I suppose the 2010 was memorable Because I knew it was my last one And I just soaked it up And really enjoyed the whole experience And yeah, it was very really cool
1: Are you concerned with the re- recent form of the Blake Ferns when we have a World Cup in our neck of the woods very soon? Well it's,
8: it's never nice going away and, and losing four games um, I think we do have, it's, it's, it's even more that we need to play more games at a, at a higher level you know we're, we're playing against England who have had their Allianz league for three years which is like super easy so they've got 10 to 15 great games a year in that and, then, and that it for three years and then they've got their ultimate international, their six Nations. In their spring internationals, so there's another ten to fifteen internationals a year. And what have we
1: played in the last and a half year? Nothing. Yeah, uh, mind you, COVID hasn't helped. So I think we can have a there's a bit of an out out there. Look, the one thing that impressed me, Anna, about the sevens, I'm glad you brought up the sevens because I think it was a no brainer about team of the year and Sarah Heronier as a skipper is uh, getting oh. getting that. I mean, what did you say? What did you say to yourself when you found out that uh, Sarah won the ultimate accolade, the Cal Tremaine?
8: Mate, I picked her. That's the first. <laughs> Head, like you said head, I picked her head, <laughs> head, oh, head, no, <laughs> Hand on heart She had to be the winner Hand on heart Easily had to be the winner She just had. She's such a superb player Great kid, and You know You can't fault What she's achieved in rugby and seven She's awesome
1: See the, see, Michaela Blyde Said the same thing And, it, and it, it comes down To this culture question Because we've already Said this morning The word culture Is bandied about uh, A little recklessly But the one thing That I have discovered In the last six months The Black Fern Sevens have a culture that They deliver on and they are accountable When you were playing in Your rugby days, was the Culture similar?
8: I think When we talk about culture, culture Is about understanding why You're playing and who you're playing for And that gives you the motivation because Being an being a elite athlete it's tough. You had to train really hard The trainings aren't fun. It's very Monotonous. For 80 minutes On the pitch of 14 minutes and so you've got to love what you do and if you don't love what you're doing you're not 100% bought into it and that's kind of the culture then it's really tough to deliver as a team and as an individual
1: Bang on as they say nowadays 100% but for you Sarah Herony what stands her above everybody else?
8: Um, Like she's incredibly hardworking. she's honest she's got integrity and above all that she's actually an amazing player you know she's a great human her family's amazing Amazing. Um, I don't think you'd meet anybody who can say anything bad about Gossie. Incredible, you know, such a good person, if, such a good player.
1: And that's the second or third time I've heard the word Gossie. What's can can you help me out there, Gossie? Is she a gossip or what's the story?
8: No, no, here here, maiden name was Sarah Goss.
1: Oh, I'm stupid, aren't I? I am completely stupid.
8: <laughs> so her, everybody will call her Gossie, but now she's Sarah she? Huddiny. So
1: thank you for Mary. Thank you for putting me in my place as being an ultimate tool. All right. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's move on, shall we? Uh, and talk about your coaching career. Is something else you is this something you were to aspire to and want to take it to a greater levels? I mean, you've coached the storm, if my understanding is correct. Uh, and 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 your assistant for Super Rugby, Opaki?
8: No, no, I didn't. I didn't make that grade, unfortunately. But yeah, like I've I've coached for twenty three years, Stephen. At a club level to start with, just I needed to help out my club team, and and then I was lucky enough to um, go over to Hong Kong and I coached there. Um, national team, uh, which was full time um, team, the seventh team over there. So I was there for four years, which was awesome. And then um, I came back to New Zealand. So yeah, I, I definitely enjoy coaching, and I would like to do a bit more in that
1: space. Oh, okay. So so okay. So the Opaki thing—what didn't you didn't make the grade, or didn't want to do it?
8: Oh no, no, I, I wanted to do it. I just didn't make the grade. Oh
1: bugger! After all the thing good things we've said about you, <laughs> and suddenly they they, 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 they they dump on you. Hey, what, what's going? What is going on here when you when you go, when you coach offshore? Do you do you do you realise the impact that rugby has on people's lives?
8: Yeah, I mean, you, you go to Hong Kong, and Hong Kong's a society that's very you know, education is the paramount thing, and sport comes second. And, and because base over there is very you know, most schools will have half a basketball court on the top of a five story building. So rugby is a real privilege Over there to play it And you know just getting the locals on board And Honkanees And once they start playing they love it
1: So how does Christmas look like for you?
8: Well, I am Out of here on Saturday I'm heading to Nelson you know, I'm doing a roadie path to, to pick my dad up down to Queenstown Where we are descending on my nephew Who is lucky enough to be Looking after this very nice Spread um, out in and be a grass Road, and so there be about 15 of us out there enjoying ourselves immensely.
1: Wow, is it going to get messy?
8: Um, well, given that my dad and my sister both own stills and they've been in full production. Um,
1: <laughs> stills of what? Could- what? What? What are they producing? Alcohol. Yeah, alcohol. I- they oh produce my-
8: ethanol. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Good old boys, here we go Moon, Moonshine You know what you could do, don't you? You could take the salver with you And put a little bit on the salver And maybe, you know, have a bit of fun with that
8: well, I did say to Farah, I said If I can't drink out of it I'm not sure if I want to accept it But then I was like, ah oh, no, I am just joking <laughs> um, There are ways and means um, The wonderful Chris Coleman trophy You cannot drink out of up in Auckland but we have been known to tape a plastic cut to it so I actually haven't, I haven't seen the silver, so I'm not kind of sure what it looks like So it'll be interesting to see what I can do.
1: Well I'm good but to it. see I'm good to see that you're setting example for young women rugby players and how to celebrate. <laughs> Anna Richards congratulations on your award uh, picking up the Steinlager silver. have a merry merry Christmas and please travel safe.
8: Oh thank you very much and you have a wonderful Christmas too Stephen.
1: Thanks Anna. Anna Richards wow how about Our first woman to win this Steinlager salver for outstanding service to rugby, both on and off the field. Dead set legend Anna Richards, dead set, and I don't use that lightly, but when you hear the way she conducts herself and understands the game and understands where it needs to go, uh, we are blessed to have someone. She's a lot of fun, as you can tell. So there you go. Uh, I think that was slightly hungover, that, that interview. For her, not me. I'm hungover today, but she was hungover that. <laughs> yeah, like that.
2: yeah. I was going to say. Yeah, <laughs> the, the pot and the kettle and all
1: that. <laughs> yes. Whoa, whoa. Uh, my Cowboys went down, by the way, 25-22. I'm a bit, I'm a bit filthy about that one, but uh, they still will be in the playoffs. But that means that Kyla Murray has never been beaten as a quarterback at AT&T and Stadium in eight matches. High school, college, and now twice as a cardinal. Uh, someone said, "Was it Brian that said that to me?" That that was one of the key spots. I don't know. The, the other thing I'm just keeping an eye on is the corn league, uh, throwing set, satchels of something, beads filled uh, into holes in a wood. It's the doubles. I just, I feel like we should be watching on the ocho. You know, the ocho. The something. It's the college corn league, not corn dogs. They just basically sand. Pouches full of something, and they're throwing them into a hole like you play at home. And the guys, these guys are pretty good. I gotta give it. Oh, it's just crazy. Anyway, we should do a. Um, what should we do? We should do a.
2: Play what happens next.
1: Let's play what happens next. All oh,
2: right, so I think. Oh, this is my first time playing too, Stephen. Oh, really? Is this your first time?
1: No, no, I've played it before. I'm, oh, useless, right.
2: I'm, I'm useless. Don't worry about that. Well, okay, so we play a piece of audio, right? And yep. then basically, you and you listening need to guess what, <laughs> what happens, happens next. next? Double
1: eight double three. You can text in the answer. You can call if you want. Oh eight hundred one five zero eight
2: eleven. Yep, that's the uh, one. So here it is, Stephen. All right, here's the audio. Last tackle
5: it is. It'll come down ten minutes out from the line. Clean catch! Oh, what happened
2: there? I would have no idea. I know Vossi was calling that. I need. I need another listen. Okay, I think, please. Last tackle
5: it is. It'll come down ten minutes out from the line.
2: Oh, 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 oh I think <laughs> I might know. I'm oh, thinking man. this is a oh,
1: Warriors oh, <laughs> game against the Melbourne Storm, and I think I know okay, all right. It's let, one,
2: let, let the people play as well, Stephen What do you
1: what do you think? Double eight double three, what happens next? Or oh eight hundred one five, oh eight eleven or double eight double three, go on, have a crack and see what happens next.
0: Summer days on S E N Z. It's Kiwi for sport.
1: One fifty-two on a Monday, the third day of January, twenty twenty-two. I actually think, for the first time in a long time, I will get what happens next. I actually do think I'm in the zone on this one.
2: You reckon you know this one, Stephen? It's in your wheelhouse, isn't it? It's in my wheelhouse, and it's
1: and it was probably when Vossi went up, and his 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 comment went up, and you you picked it up. So, am I allowed to guess, or do I have to play it first? Play, play it again.
2: Yeah, Sam. Yeah. Okay, all right. <laughs> Last tackle it is. It'll come down. Ten minutes
5: out from the line. Clean catch oh, What
2: happened? There? So that was the first part of it. And we yeah. do have a few ticks and Yeah, we do. Um, one says Row Party half break
1: offload to Manu runs thirty meters offload to wit to score the last five minutes. First eighth rank team to beat the first in our history. Best I best get I ever saw. Eh not right.
2: Not I th- right. I think I think Vaughan has it right. All right. Shall we see if yep. Vaughn has it right? Let's go. Let's reveal what happened next.
5: Last tackle it is. It'll come down. Ten minutes out from the line. Clean catch. Oh, what happened there? Slipped over in the tackle. Johnson's got the ball back. That was extraordinary. Target closer to it. That is not the
1: hay. What happened back in the middle? Look, he gets a good lead into it. He says,
0: "I'm going to go oh, up." Oh my gosh. He lands Nathan on Fred. the top. Oh. look at
5: Nathan Friend, it may be the greatest piece of gymnastics rugby league you've ever seen.
1: Yeah, that was the one. Vaughan's right. It says uh, Nathan Friend flicks between his legs, passed against the song. We went We went backwards, basically, up and over. And he's right. July 12, 2015. Lollahia scores 28-14 the final score. Uh, Warriors led 16 in the halftime. Uh, Vaughan, congratulations. $50 of TIB voucher coming his way. All righty. There you go. It's a one fifty three.